Hello again, and thank you for downloading episode four of the I Gotta Ask podcast. My name is Daryl Oliveira. As always, I am your host, and my guest today was a fantastic young gentleman by the name of Alex Hernandez, or otherwise known on Instagram as The Soloist Project. That's at the underscore soloist underscore project. Alex is an amazing artist who works in spray paint and stencil work um, and paints on some very cool surfaces like vinyl records and recycled pegboard, uh, to name a couple. He also makes uh, wheat paste posters and vinyl stickers that are all painted by hand. Uh, Just fantastic work. I can't say enough about it. Uh, Check out his Instagram page. Give him a follow. And you can also buy his pieces if you contact him through there. And you can also commission custom pieces um, also uh, through his Instagram page by giving him a direct message and uh, just opening a line of communications with him. So before today, I didn't really know Alex. So it was nice to sit down with him and have, uh, we had a a two hour conversation um, about everything from how he got into this, uh, this art form, uh, his short stint in stand-up comedy. He um, worked in radio following uh, university when he lived in uh, London, Ontario. He went to school there and then uh, lived there after university and worked in radio. And we talked about, um, all different types of, of, of music and our influences uh, that way. And we also talked about the resurgence of vinyl records because Alex also works at uh, a local uh, record shop here in town called Forsh's Records, which is downtown Galt in, uh, in Cambridge, which is the city we live in. And uh, just a great talk. I was really happy he could make it. I had a cancellation yesterday with another guest, um, unfortunately, uh, so I had to reschedule that. But Alex was available to come in last minute, did me a, a great solid. He kind of saved the podcast this week because I wasn't sure who else I was going to get last minute. But he came in and we had a fantastic talk and I got to know him uh, a bit better. And I'm really glad we could make it happen um, this quickly. So without further ado, I'm going to run the uh, intro music and we'll get right to it with Alex Hernandez. Okay, thank you for listening to episode four of the I Gotta Ask podcast. My guest today is Alex Hernandez. How you doing, buddy? Good. How about yourself? Good, man. Good. Thanks for doing this. I know it's kind of last minute, but no, that's okay. Like I like like we spoke earlier. Um, yeah. yeah, you caught me on a good weekend, so I yeah. got, I got the whole weekend off. Yeah, so good. Yeah, it's really nice to be here. So you're working at is it Forge's Record Store? Forge's Record yeah. Store. That's right, downtown Galt, Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm depending on where you're listening. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's really cool. I uh, started working there maybe like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you start selling your stuff there? You Because I know you sell some pieces there, right? Uh, I started kind of right away. Yeah. Uh, I asked him if he would be interested because I was already doing artwork on vinyl records. I, I, would, yeah. I used to go to like antique shops and buy like the $1 bin uh. vinyl and then just spray paint on them and put whatever on there right yeah. Jimi hendrix Beatles stuff yeah, whatever yeah. whatever sells yeah yeah and um <clears throat> yeah so kind of when i got the job i kind of showed him some stuff and he was he really liked it and he, he, he you know he was interested in displaying it in the cool. store so i kind of just been doing that ever since and they've been doing pretty good actually good even to the point where um people ask to do like custom stuff if they don't if yeah. there's you know nothing on the wall yeah. that they want they'll 
ask for like a Joe Strummer or yeah, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. I definitely, you know, that's and I was curious about that because I see a lot of your stuff. Like for anyone listening that doesn't know Alex, um, he is the soloist project on Instagram. If you look up at the underscore soloist underscore project, you'll see his stuff, and it's incredible artwork done on. Um, done with spray paint on a bunch of different interesting surfaces like vinyl records, pegboard, like what else? Yeah, pegboard, just regular canvas. Yeah, uh, I'm working on a birdhouse right now. Oh yeah, actually. Yeah, I saw you some weird stuff like like helmets, things like that. Like that's football right. Helmets. That's right. This guy named Chris, uh, he's a huge Detroit Lions fan, uh-huh. and I guess he just had this gray, plain football helmet. He's like, can you do something with it? Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, sure. So uh, Always in spray paint? That whole thing was in spray paint except for the Detroit Lions logo. Okay. I actually did that with uh, an acrylic and oh, okay. uh, and a brush just because it was a little more detailed. Sure, sure. doesn't really work out stencil-wise. Right. And it was, it's such a small image on the helmet, right, that you have to really get kind of like fine detail in there. Yeah. And then just kind of sprayed it all with a clear coat to seal everything. Yeah, yeah. So it all has like the same sheen it looks like. Yeah, it looks kind great. Kind of professional, it, it, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, it looked yeah. like a professional helmet. And that's when I saw that on your Instagram, I thought... I wonder if he did that. And then I was like reading the description. I'm like, yeah, totally. It was him. Cause it, and then I thought maybe it was already a Detroit Lions helmet. And then you did, you just refinished it. But like hearing you talk about it now, it's a custom piece. So yeah, absolutely. And, and so you said, it sounds like you get a lot of those requests for the custom stuff. Oh yeah. Big time, yeah. big time. And you'll do almost anything if somebody requests it. Kind I'll of do, I've never turned down a request. Yeah. Um, and there's been some interesting ones too, or ones that you're not, usually interested in right if like if mm-hmm. you can draw and you kind of have uh you have a lot of ideas floating around in your head it's it's kind of you kind of don't want to paint someone's dog sometimes you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. or like sports stuff is another one i'm not a huge huge sports fan yeah me neither to be honest but um you know that people want their maple leaves they want you know their chicago blackhawks whatever it is i had a guy do like his favorite cfl team his yeah. favorite nba team hockey team and uh and baseball team all in like one oh wow thing right and it's just like like one big piece yeah yeah oh wow so um yeah you get you get a lot of sports requests uh-huh. yeah which is fine because it's it's easy money sure because the logo is kind of already done you yeah. know it you, there's no yeah creative you can't put <laughs> anything in there yeah you know, I can't add like a cowboy hat to like right. a Raptors like thing. You <laughs> well, know what you I could. mean? You could. You could, but then the the person would just be like, "This is not what I asked for." Yeah. So you don't get much room for change with sports stuff. So it's pretty straightforward. But uh, yeah, it does. Uh, it does sell. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And all of your stuff is stencil, right? Like you make the stencil first, and then. Um, I started off doing stencils. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When I first started off, this guy Cam kind of taught me how to do everything. Okay. He. Uh, I used to work at a ski resort out west, right, in a small town called uh, uh, Blue River, right, which is like population two hundred, like <laughs> nothing to do. The only thing you can do is work, ski, and drink. And the only place to drink <laughs> sounds awesome. The only place to drink was a Legion. Oh, you know that's it. Oh. Um, Nothing to do. If you wanted to do like a grocery shop, you had to drive like an hour away. If you wanted to right. use your bank, you had to drive an hour away. There's like there was no even cell phone towers at the time. I think they got them now. Yeah. So there's nothing to do. And he we got to talking and he we realized we both liked art. And he asked me, he's like, have you ever tried doing like street art or graffiti uh-huh. art? And I was just like, 
know. I didn't really know what street art was at, right. when he asked me. I thought it was like lettering on like yeah. Yeah. trains and stuff. Right. So uh, he asked me if I'd be interested, and I said, yeah. And then he kind of showed me all the ropes, how to make the stencil, how to apply it onto the surface, mm-hmm. how to, you know, the distance that you spray uh, spray from and oh, okay. all that stuff. He kind of got me into it. And then when I moved back here, um, I started doing stencil, but um, I kind of moved away from that now. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I use a lot of, I use a lot of brushes and because um, some of this stuff yeah um, like we're, just looking, at, you, we're like, just looking at Alex's Instagram right now just for the listeners yeah this like this one here would never work as a stencil it would just fall apart if you were to like cut it and exactly are, how it is what are we looking at there that's like a cat what yeah, yeah. Th- uh, it was a request for a lady actually she wanted a a, t- a t-shirt for a roommate oh, and yeah. uh she wanted like a, a jaguar but kind ah, of okay. like a yeah mexican uh yeah, yeah. kind of ancient pattern so mm-hmm. that's that's what i did so this is all that one's all like brushwork that i actually did just with a with a marker wow actually nice. on, a, on a piece of paper yeah so, so you didn't you didn't go to school for any of this like this was all taught by this guy out in what's the name of that town? Uh, Blue River. Blue River. Yeah, and it's, so you it's, just met this guy and yeah, his name is Cam. Uh-huh. Um, he's awesome. He he was really cool. We're we're still friends. Actually. But you're not like classically trained in any way. You didn't go to university for art or anything like that. No. Um, wow. I, I I've been drawing and kind of doodling around for uh, since I was like three or four. Right. Like I, you know, like any kid. But yeah. I, it always it always stuck with me. So I mean, the only art training I have is high school art. Really. Wow. That's unbelievable to me. Like I'm I'm not an artist in any shape or form. Like I've, you know, I've been sort of making music, but I don't really write music. Okay. And I, you know, I like taking pictures, but that's taking pictures for me. Like, I guess there's a bit of an art to it, but I mean, it's not, it's not like creating art with, you know, from nothing from a blank canvas, you know, so to speak to a finished piece. Right. So for me, it's always like super fascinating to hear someone who's hasn't had any real training can just pick up a marker or, you know, like learn to make these stencils like yeah. you do and, and paint this, this beautiful stuff. So that's incredible that you're not, you didn't go to school for it really other than high school. No, I was thinking of going to, uh, sure. I, I had applied at Ottawa U uh-huh. and had gotten an interview there. Oh, nice. Um, but in the end I actually ended up going a completely different direction just cause I thought, well, why am I going to waste yeah. a whole bunch of money yeah. um, for something that I can kind of already do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I just said no to art. And usually when people go to art and stuff uh, or take art in post-secondary institutions, yeah. um, they usually like want to become a teacher, a teacher or like they right. know what they want with this yeah. degree. They right? need the degree for something else. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't really uh, I wasn't really on that. I, I, I kind of just wanted to paint. But I right. thought nah, there's no point of wasting yeah. all this money on on just. Yeah. And don't you feel like. I almost feel that way about a lot of people going to school for stuff. Like uh, so many people I know went to school for things and they're not using it right now. They yeah. they went and they got a degree and then they ended up doing something completely different. And, you know, just like recently, just, you know, I've been looking for jobs myself and I'm looking at these things and they're putting so people are putting so much emphasis on these degrees. Mm-hmm. And realistically, that doesn't mean anything. If you've got a ton of experience, that should mean a lot more than someone who's coming fresh out of school with a degree, but it doesn't, you know, they still prefer these schools. 
And then you see all these kids coming out of school with these degrees and there's no jobs for them. Like, you know, like I said, in that field, so they end up doing something completely different. It's like, well, you could have done that without that degree, you yeah. know, like it just seems like such a waste to me. But. Yeah. There's a lot of jobs out there where you really don't need a degree no. at all. And, you know, some of the best architects, some of the best, um, stage designers, all mm-hmm. of that never went to yeah. school for that stuff. It's unbelievable. I mean, I think, uh, I think, um, going to school, like a post-secondary school, it's, uh, mm-hmm. Looking back on it, it's mostly for people who don't know what to do in life. Yeah. And then the people that really have an idea of what they want to do kind mm-hmm. of just skip that step and just go straight to it. Unless you obviously want to become a lawyer or a doctor. Where right. In that case, you kind of yeah, need education. You, of course. Of yeah. course. Sure. So how long ago was Blue River, did you say? Blue River was, oh, man, all the years are. Uh, I know. Yeah, we were talking about we were this on talking the way about over. talking about this earlier. Um. I think Blue River was 2012 or 13. Okay. Yeah. So you've been doing this kind of stuff basically for about five years. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's three really years, like three years in November, like strong doing yeah. it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. Because again, man, like, we're, you know, I'm looking at this Instagram page and like, I'm a, honestly, I'm a huge fan. Like this stuff Thank is you. amazing. This Jimi Hendrix one. The white spray paint on the black vinyl it's, looks. Oh, yeah. That one looks incredible. I've you know done I mean? like a... Th- uh, must have been like a hundred versions of that. Oh, really? Because that's a popular that, one. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. Because anytime it sells like out of the record store, yeah. I have to restock it. Right. But I always right. do it kind of a different style. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, almost like one of a kind each piece, right? That's right. Everyone yeah. kind of gets like an original that's piece. It's amazing. never, it's never like mass produced. Yeah. yeah. Like the Slash one was really good too. I really oh, like the yeah. Slash one. And there were like the Amy Winehouse one was was awesome because I was a huge fan of Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. Like. And not typically the type of music I would listen to, but like her voice, she had such an amazing voice. Oh, that's my girl. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, seeing, seeing what you can do with these records, like even, it's not so much even the stencil, it's even what you do with the background. Yeah. You know, like the, like the, like the, almost like the speckling or like, you know, like, like this one, for example. Yeah. That, that James Brown. one. Yeah. James Brown yeah. With, with all this stuff in the back, like just it's, the background is complex. It's know? all, it's all experimenting. Yeah. The thing is, is once you cut one of these stencils. Right. You have it. The work's over. Oh, it's it's not like a not like a one time use thing. It doesn't get kind of mangled up during the process. No, I use um. I actually so not only do I use the records that we can't use, uh-huh. but I also use the covers that we can't use oh, as well. Okay. So and the covers are pretty thick. Right. Right. You know. So when you cut them and spray paint over them, it's not like thin paper where it curls up and yeah. then it kind of loses its that's what detail. I'm, that's what I was picturing. Yeah, yeah, no, so it's it's a little thicker, so they last way, way longer. Mm. Um, I've never had to remake one, actually. Oh, my God, that's awesome. And you can yeah. keep, like, respraying the same one over yeah. and over again. So because it's the same image over and over again, you yeah. have to have fun with the background in order to make it fun for, for yourself. Sure. Right? Sure. You have to keep things interesting. Otherwise, it's really, really boring. Yeah. Um, so you're, I'm always experimenting with different backgrounds, different shapes, different ways to splatter paint on there, mixing paint, sometimes, you know, waiting for one paint to dry and then putting it on or not waiting at all, just throwing the next color in there. So it blends. Right. Right. So this one, for example, like this James Brown one, Mm -hmm. this background was what kind, like what kind of paint was that? That wasn't spray paint. That's all spray paint. Oh, it is all spray paint. That's all spray paint. Um, so how do you get that splattering effect like that? I actually have a paint stick, like a stir stick okay. that you would buy right, when you right. buy like a yep. gallon of paint and I spray paint on there oh, and, then, and then you and then either gotcha. whip it on or just let it drip naturally. Ah, gotcha. So okay. it's all kind of on that paint stick. That's so awesome, that's, that's how you get that kind of effect. Super creative. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was another one I was going to bring up. 
Oh, the Don Rickles one. That is a week pay sticker though, right? Like, like that's that's just a sticker. That's yeah. like a vinyl sticker. Oh, that was a vinyl sticker. Yeah, that I did uh, just with a really really thin uh, yeah. like sharpie. Yeah, because that's the other side of what you do. Like you've got you've got sort of the stenciling stuff mm-hmm. and then you but you've also got like stickers and wheat paste that's right yeah. like the the wheat paste posters, posters which yeah. is just done on like newsprint right it's usually for like uh like pastel kind of right. like paper really really thin paper yeah. um so yeah do kind of posters on that and that stuff is all hand drawn yeah 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 wow the color in it is usually spray paint right and sometimes with a brush okay uh just using uh, regular acrylic yeah. um but yeah it's it's all like the images are hand drawn yeah with uh with a permanent marker yeah that's awesome man yeah, yeah. It, it's really like you know for anyone listening that hasn't gone to you know this instagram yet go check it out the underscore soloist underscore project and you'll see exactly what we're talking about the stuff is like it's very intricate it's very cool even you know, even the stuff on the pegboard looks looks awesome. Like, you know, who would have thought to ever use pegboard for other I, than I you? Know, you know yeah, what I mean? I didn't and it think, just it I didn't looks think so, so good. Either I actually <laughs> lucked out on that. I got like seventy eight massive boards of like pegboard for free. Perfect. Um, there was a paint store I used to work at, and uh, they were they were moving shop. Yeah. And but they had to get rid of all the displays, and it was going to cost them however much. And I right. said, "Listen, if you deli- if, yeah. if you deliver all these pegboards to my door, I will take it off your hands for free." That's awesome. So, uh, so I did, and so I started using using the pegboards, which have yeah. which have been fun. Uh, it's it's because you can kind of put a a background to it. Yeah. That come comes through the, yeah. all the little holes, right, and actually put a different color. I'll buy like really fluorescent. Uh, poster board so it shows so it shows so through. it shows through wow. yeah or the original concept was um if if i were to do a painting and somebody were to buy it mm-hmm. whatever color their wall is in their living room or in their bedroom mm-hmm. that color becomes part of uh, the image gotcha it so when you hang it because you're going to see the wall color through that's it. right that's uh-huh. right gotcha. so so your wall kind of becomes a part right. of 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 the art Wow. Um, but that was just my artsy fartsy way of being like, <laughs> I don't want to buy big canvases. I'm way too cheap and I'm going to use this pegboard. Hey man, whatever works. That's such, and it's such an original idea. Like, you know, I, I've, I've not seen anything else on painted on pegboard yeah. and it's like, you know, like it, that's what kind of sets your stuff apart from all the other stuff. Like I'm not a real, uh, you know, I'll say it like I'm not an art connoisseur. Like I don't know anything. I don't really appreciate fine art all that much unless it's something that really resonates with me. You know what I mean? But like your stuff, it's not just that it's not just what you're painting. Like, it, like first of all, I'm, I'm big into music. So you do a lot of like music oh, um, yeah. personalities yeah. on like rec on the records, which is awesome. Yeah. That drew me yeah. right away. But then you also do stuff like like this one, like the queen with a cigarette in her mouth. Yeah, you know, I actually <laughs> just sold that. I sold that yesterday. That is an amazing piece. Like when yeah. I saw that, I was I like, love that's, that piece. Yeah. And like the there's one you did for, I think, someone that has like a nail studio and it says nailed it. And it's it's like a nice manicured hand. But then someone about to drive a giant spike. Through that's the finger. right. That's right. My friend yeah. Alyssa, uh, who she she's an amazing, like nail artist. Yeah. Um, she uh, she asked me to do that. And right. she has her little uh, company called Nailed It. Right. And, uh, oh, it is called Nailed It. It's, it's called, called Nailed, Nailed it. it. Yeah. And that was all like that was all her idea yeah. was uh, 
I had no real creative input into that well, except for like the still, color but you know yeah, just like a, that's the kind of stuff that like really like it, it makes you feel something you know you see it and you go oh, it kind of makes you cringe but at the yeah. same time it's such it's so visually appealing it looks yeah so absolutely good, you know? it, it, it worked out well i really love this queen image though i yeah, i did this that's with, a good one i did this with wallpaper actually i was gonna say what is that on because it looks like it's got some kind of print on it already right yeah so that same paint store when they were moving, they had to get rid of all their wallpaper sample books. So I took uh -huh. all of those. So nice. I've actually just been cutting stencils using the wallpaper and then uh, having is an Is that image. what this Twiggy one is on too? Ab absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's actually this gray here. Uh -huh. It's all wallpaper. It's really textured wallpaper yeah. too. Like it's... it's Yeah, it looks, it looks really textured. You can see that it's got like all those nice grooves in it. But that's... I mean, that... God, like that would... That looks so much better than just painting it on like a flat piece of canvas you know what i mean like i think it just adds something to it absolutely know? and it's almost absolutely. like it's not again like i'm not an art guy so like anyone listen out there listening is saying daryl really sounds like a fucking idiot right now <laughs> you're right i don't know anything about art what i know is that i like what i like and i like this stuff so um you know again i'm, I'm a big fan um you and i have a crap load of mutual friends too yeah. And it must, I mean, like you're, you're We're, a few years younger than I am. Yeah. We were talking about that on the way over. Like you're just about to turn 30, you said. That's right. Yeah. So how do you, like, how do you know like Jay Martz and Laura Martz and like that group of people? It's just, just through like JP. Yeah. Well, just cause, uh, yeah. Cause I never would have went to high school with them. Right. I think by the time I entered high school, they were either already graduated or it was their final yeah. year. So I would have never known them through that. But, right. um. Uh, one of my oldest friends, I've been friends with him for like 23, 24 years, mm -hmm. um, Jordan Jackson. Yep. His okay. older brother is Jonathan. Yep. So anytime we'd hang out, and they're really close, so anytime yeah. we'd hang out, uh, Jay and Laura yeah. would come out. And uh, so, and then after a while, just years of kind of going to parties yeah. together. Well, that's kind of how I bumped into you. Like yeah. I bumped into you at one of, I'm sure it was one of Jay and Laura's parties. And like you mentioned, Jordan Jackson, like I went to school with Jonathan. He and I were fairly close all through high school and like guys like Mike Gagne and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. I was, I was always curious where the actual connection came from. Like I wasn't sure if you was, cause you never know, like with the way the bar scene is in Cambridge, there's not many one, you know, popular ones around anymore. Like now there's like Kiwi and there's, um, you know, like the black badger still going. So I didn't, wasn't sure if you bumped into them there and met them right, that way or right. like, you know how it came about, but it makes total sense now that you say you're friends with, jonathan's brother yeah you know, yeah because jay is jay is so close with jonathan and, and laura as well absolutely yeah absolutely um so yeah that's that that's how i know all those cats and um yeah so you're originally from cambridge then like your family's from cambridge like you were born and raised I, I was born here yeah yeah i was born here my family actually is, uh they're from el salvador oh okay and they lived in the uh they lived in houston for a little while yeah and then they came here houston yeah oh wow and they came here uh, in the mid '80s. Yeah, as my older brother was, yeah, just being born. I think like '84, '85. Oh, wow. They got here. Yeah. I wonder what made them come this way. Houston's like, like Texas right now is is you know a, apparently a really great place to live. From what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. not every city, but like Houston's pretty decent. And what's the other? Uh, God, there's another town there that's that's really popular right now with a bunch of artists. It'll sure. come to me. It'll yeah. come to me. But there, there definitely, it's like it's it's like sort of a, it's sort of like I don't want to say up and coming because it's not up and coming, but mm -hmm. it's definitely like with artists and stuff. There's a lot more people moving there, and I don't know if it's for the climate or if it's just where all the a lot of creative people are migrating. It's probably various, yeah, yeah. different different factors yeah. that that play into it. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. the weather, if especially if you're uh, like a street artist, yeah. the, the weather's key. Yeah, absolutely. Like all year round. All yeah, year absolutely. Round. You can you can do shit outside all year long and you not know. have to worry about ever being exposed to any kind of bad weather almost. No, you know what I mean? it's almost impossible. Other than heat. Yeah, it's almost yeah. impossible around here to do any yeah. real work yeah. um, in the wintertime yeah. just because uh, paint doesn't dry yeah. the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. The wheat paste glue doesn't go on the poster. It's, even if you have like a pre-made sticker, like it just yeah. doesn't stick the no. same way on a cold. No, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't. It just it, it peels off yep. very easily. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of my youth sticking vinyl stickers from various skate brands oh, on okay. poles, and yeah. I know that you go around in the winter, and it's like if there's even the slightest bit of frozen moisture on, it's done. It's not. It's just gonna peel right as soon as the weather gets mild at all. Even if it doesn't, it just peels right off. You know, yeah. a lot of the times. Don't you miss that? getting like yes. a, like a shoe box of like yeah. globe shoes and yep. then having all these stickers and then going out you were like almost like your own like street artist honestly, i remember that was like the first kind of vandalism i ever i ever did as a kid honestly i still open packages and i am so disappointed when a company does not give you a sticker yeah. it's the easiest way to advertise your stuff absolutely people love stickers it will stick them on anything yeah. and like how cheap are you to not include a sticker for your company you know what i mean and especially if it's like a skateboarding company right yeah. it's like you know you have these stickers. You have stickers. There's no way you don't have stickers. Yeah, um, exactly. Put them in. The, yeah, they don't cost you anything. No, they're the so bucks. cheap. Like even yeah. for like even for this podcast, like I was looking at some promotional items. I'm gonna get some still, but one of the one of the items I was looking at was stickers because they're so cheap. And yeah. you can give them out like if they're cheap enough, you can just give them out by the handfuls. You know, and then people stick them everywhere, and people go, "Oh, what's that? I want to check that out." You know, it's yeah, exactly. It's so easy to do. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a bygone era. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, listen, I want to thank you again for like coming here short notice because like I uh, I had somebody set up and then it ended up falling through mm-hmm. and I know it was tight but and it I must have caught you on a good weekend like you were saying because yeah. you got the weekend off from yeah, the record yeah, shop yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, I really appreciate appreciate you coming in it's um, it really helped me out and I've been meaning to sit down with you for a long time I you know like like we were just talking but we have a lot of mutual friends yeah but for some reason I've never been able to grab you and have a sort of a one on one for any length of time right um, right except maybe like at you know, like that stag and doe that we bumped into each other at, but that was like, you know, yelling over music. That wasn't any kind of a real, what I would call conversation. No, no, no. And I was probably off my rocker (laughs) drunk that night. You know what I mean? Any stag and doe, I'm usually pretty, uh, pretty gone. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, uh, I wouldn't have remembered to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) What, um, what, like with this kind of art, I know, like you said, your buddy up in, uh, Blue River, taught you this kind of stuff yeah but is it cam you said cam yeah yeah. but were there any other artists that like have inspired you like over the years like is it is it do you take inspiration from those people oh yeah Yeah. big time big time like almost my whole life you know what i mean art's always been something that i've always been interested in Mm -hmm. yeah you said you were been drawing since you're like a little kid right yeah so i mean growing up you like music right you you keep discovering and discovering uh new stuff all the time and you take little bits from kind of everybody i think that's what every artist uh, really does is kind of uh take you know yeah you paint what you know, and then eventually you kind of go your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Some of my favorites. Um, MC Asha, I really like his work. Okay. You probably, are you familiar? N- not off the top of my head. If you saw yeah. images, he does a lot of like mathematical patterns, but like surreal oh, yeah. kind of stuff. If you saw some of his work, you'd be like, oh, yeah. I know exactly what that well, is. Well, that's kind of like Banksy too, right? Yeah. Like I, I didn't know who Banksy was, but I, I had seen his art before. And mm-hmm. then someone said, oh, you know who Banksy is? I go, no. 
And they go, yeah, you know who Banksy is. And they showed me and I go, oh, I know that. I've seen that before. You that know? was exactly my experience. So before I met Cam, I had no idea who Banksy was, but I knew the images. Yeah, I had seen yeah. the images uh, many times. Right. It's all over the place now. Um, but yeah, and then he, he kind of introduced me to, the, to that film, the uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop uh, documentary. Okay. Uh, which is a Banksy, uh, a Banksy film. I think oh, he, really? I think he made it. Yeah. Um, What's it called? Uh, exit through the gift shop. Hmm. It's actually really cool. You should check it out. Yeah, I'm just writing it down because it sounds like something I'd want to check out. Oh, it's it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing film. Actually, it's it's one of my favorites. But I had not heard of him, and no. the film at that point had already been out for like you know like eight years. Something, yeah, yeah, like something crazy. Right. I'm always late getting into things. Um, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm brutal for that. I just finished watching The Wire, so that's how far behind I am in on. In, <laughs> and I've in, never in, seen in, it in so. television. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, absolutely. It's just yeah. Once you, art's always there, right? It's always in your face. You might not know that that Campbell soup is Andy Warhol, but you know exactly. you've seen it. Yeah, a million totally. Times. You might not know that. Storm Thorgerson did the cover for Dark Side of the Moon, but that image yeah. is like it's, it's always iconic. It's man. iconic. Everybody, knows, Everybody it. knows it. Yep. No, for sure. Yeah. And how did you? Um, sorry if you already said this and I missed it, but how did you come up with the idea to print on the vinyl records? Because Actually, it uh, seems like just when you started, you know, painting on these vinyl records, vinyl started making a huge resurgence. You know what I mean? Like, right. like everybody's buying yeah. vinyl again. Yeah. So it just seemed like such a a perfect idea at that time, you know what I mean? Because everybody starts getting into vinyl records, and then here you are spray painting these awesome images on vinyl mm -hmm. records, which is amazing. Like those two kind of things, you go in to buy a record at like Forces Record Shop, yeah, and then you see that, and it's like, how do you not buy that? You know what I mean? It was just like just perfect timing. Yeah. Um. Well, it's definitely not a new idea. Okay. Um. I had a, uh, I have a friend Jess who lives out west. Uh -huh. uh, been really good friends for a very long time. Um, she sent me two discs of uh, of an artist who did just that, but the artist oh. kind of did it with a brush, and it was like a picture of a tree or a picture of a bike. I think is is what it was. Okay. Um, so two of them, which had nothing to do with music, it was just kind of their own thing. And when she sent them, I was just like, "Oh, this is really cool." They did it on vinyl, and uh, I I started thinking, "Well, why don't you do like?" musicians mm -hmm. on vinyl yeah you know do the rolling stones logo do this that yeah. whatever so that's how i actually started getting into that is uh, through my friend jazz when she mailed me those two discs and i was just like this is a really really cool idea yeah but it could be even cooler if you did like music stuff absolutely on vinyl it's what like, drew, why, right why, it's what drew me to it yeah like when i saw those images like the, the amy winehouse one for example mm -hmm. that's the one that always pops in my memory yeah. Because I have such a connection to her voice. And then it for me, it was a huge, well, I mean, for the music community, it was a huge, huge loss when she died. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to see that image, and it's, even though, like, I, like I first I couldn't believe even believe that it was spray paint because it was so crisp. It looked so good against the the pink background, I think, on that one was. That's right. Pink yeah, and blue. Pink yeah. and blue. Yeah. And it just, it stood out. It was awesome. And I just thought, God damn, does that ever resonate with me? I just, you know, like, like that for me, like. For me to really appreciate art, it's got to be something that makes me, like I said before, it's got to be something that makes me feel something. You know? Yeah, it's got to be relatable. Yeah, I totally. mean, abstract and, um, you know, a lot of like what like uh, someone like Jackson Pollock did mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that is great. Yeah, I it love is. that stuff. Sure. But 
I think uh, I think for the majority of people who aren't um, art aficionados, they yeah. need something that they can relate to. They need an image that resonates with them. Yeah, you know, what totally. I mean? that says something about you know their own lives. Yeah, and something that they can relate to, and something that's just familiar. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, I think it's really important to do that. That's why I do a lot of like pop art images that I know people will like and that yeah. I sort of enjoy doing as well. Kind of mm-hmm. keep the fun for me, but um, yeah, super important. Yeah, absolutely. And just um, you know, talking about the record shop still, like you know, I mentioned before, like vinyl really made. It seemed like it was making a really big comeback. Mm-hmm. Are records still like flying out of that shop? Are they? Is it still? Is it? Is it doing well that that store? Like, are is there a lot of people Absolutely. still coming in looking for vinyl? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think vinyl sales beat online sales last year. Wow. Yeah. So it beat iTunes. It beat all of them. Holy it, cow! So a huge resurgence. Obviously, beat CDs. No, yeah. no question about it. Oh yeah, nobody's buying. Who's buying CDs nowadays? I, I still, mean, I still do occasionally, me but too. not me really. Too. Not. I, yeah. I love to have the physical copy, so I still do my best to if I if there's a band that I like yeah I try like I, I don't download anymore because I, I did for a number of years and all I all it got me was poor quality and viruses on my computer yeah and I just thought screw this I'm going to, if there's a band I really like I'm going to support them by buying the record right and then what I've come to find out is they really make no money off the records anymore anyway even if you buy the CD they're making most of their money from touring that's but it I yeah. still like to have the physical copy so I do my best if if there's a band like I really like, I'll go out and buy that record. Even even old bands like I just went out and bought a bunch of old Guns N' Roses records mm-hmm. that I didn't have, mm-hmm. just because I wanted to have those physical discs, you know. Yeah. And then yeah, you have yeah, it forever. Yeah. It doesn't. Your computer doesn't crash. You don't lose it. You know what I mean? It's tangible. You can hold it. Yeah. You, you can, can see the you, art. It's you can see who the engineers are. Exactly. And all that stuff. Yeah. And, you you, know and what you've mean? got the physical art in your hands. You know, you can look at it. Yeah. No. It's. Um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, there's still there's a there's still a little market for CD, but the majority of the people don't buy CDs. No, yeah, you know, it's too bad too. I mean, it's a shame. I mean, and you know, everyone's moving to the Apple Music. Yeah. The, what is it? Spotify. Yeah, all, all of it. Right. Seems so and weird to me to not like you. You know, you're paying for that service, but as soon as you stop paying for that service, you don't have access to that music anymore. You know, and yeah, it's so weird to me. Somebody was um, this past weekend. Somebody was trying to kind of pitch it to me, let's sell it to me, and yeah. tell me why it's so great. And he's like, "Oh, well, you get like eight million songs." But I'm like, "Who wants so eight million I, songs yeah. in their record collection? Nobody. Nobody. You'll you, you, you'll, you'll listen to maybe twenty yeah. percent and actually like twenty percent, right. and then the rest of it is just it's noise. There. It's just noise that you're never gonna listen to. You have access to it, but so what? Yeah. You know, like that's kind of how I feel about it too. And yeah. I also feel it's the music is you don't appreciate the music as much no. because it's too disposable. Right. You ever yeah. you ever are you ever in the car or somebody's controlling the music at a party where yeah. they you've probably seen this and it probably drives you mad. It drives me mad. But they change the song every like forty seconds. Yeah. They don't finish the song. Yeah. Well, it's attention span. Nobody's yeah. got the attention span. And anymore. it's like, what do you? This is driving me absolutely bonkers. Nobody yeah. buys albums anymore you know you go home you put it on and you sit down and you listen to it because you spent yeah the 15 20 bucks which i mean when cds came out in like the 90s they were expensive so when you bought one you listened to it yep and you made sure you were gonna you just absolutely liked it just because you had to yep exactly and that and that's exactly why i you know that's exactly why i still buy these physical copies because you know, like I like I said, I like to have the the physical copy. I like to have access to that music, and it, you you get a better, almost like a, I don't want to say a bond, but maybe a bond with that sort of that band. You have yeah, a, you have a piece of their history, and you own it forever, and it's physical. It's in your hands. You know? Yeah, 
And like, I just, everything going to digital seems so weird to me. You know, like you, you hear that song and that might be the only song you hear from that band ever because you don't buy the album. You don't hear the rest. Yeah. I mean, we've all bought albums where there's only been one or two good songs on the album, yeah, of course. but you still listen to the rest. You've still been exposed to what they have. And then maybe years later you end up that being, that might end up being one of your favorite records. You grow into it sometimes, Absolutely. you know, whereas Absolutely. kids nowadays, they hear some song by 21 pilots or whatever the band is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that's the only song they know by them. And that might be the only one they ever hear. Yeah. You know, it just, it seems weird to me. It's, it's watered down for sure. Oh. Um, it's definitely watered down. And yeah, you know what? I never thought about it that way. And it's, it's totally true. What you just said is, um, back, back when you could only buy CDs, yeah. you know, um, you were kind of part of the movement, yep. you know, and part of like the band almost like you were an actual fan, you know, you were I mean? supporting the, you, you were supporting, supporting the, artist. the artist and you own the music and you, you die for it. Exactly. Now it's, you can just with the click of a button, just switch the song. Exactly. And it's a, you know, yep. no and big deal. Just throw these songs away. Exactly. And, and you know what? Like, it's like you said too, like people don't have, well, they don't have attention spans, so they, they change the song every 40 seconds. They, they hear the good part of the song, they hear one chorus, and they're like, oh, that's all I need, I'll go to the next one. Because like you said, it is disposable, and they know they can go right back to it anytime they want. Yeah. You know, like I still remember the days of waiting on the radio, Yes. you know, before CDs, yes. waiting on the radio for my favorite song to come on. Yeah, because you always knew what time it was exactly. going to come on. Yep, and then so you hit had record on that player, on that cassette. And, and then you would have it. Yeah. You know, like on, on the cassette player. Absolutely. Make your own mixes. Yeah. And, and sometimes like, you know, the DJ would talk <laughs> at the end of like the song. Or, <laughs> or the start. And, yeah, or the start. And you'd be like, no. He, but talks, he talks in that dumb radio voice right up until the singer starts singing. And it's like, oh, you yeah, just ruined my that's recording. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's just like, damn. <laughs> you were, speaking of radio, you were mentioning before that you did some radio work. Yeah. I, uh, I went to school uh, in London for broadcasting. And, um, okay. yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, I was, I was there for a couple years, mm-hmm. graduated, worked at the, uh, the student radio station. Okay. Yeah. Also did work at uh, CHRW, which is outside of London. Okay. And, uh, yeah, did, uh, you know, worked in radio for, for a little bit and, uh, it was great. I also worked for this company called managed media, which was like a internet, like radio station for, oh, okay. for bowling alleys across North America. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is like a huge, huge thing in America. Sure, is bowling like they, oh, they yeah. love it. So yeah, it's like it was like a radio station for bowling alleys. Yeah. and in Canada too, actually. Hmm. And uh, so they would just play like the mixes that you guys would sort of create. Yeah, and we had like something crazy, like fifty different stations. Right, you'd have your country, you'd have your oh. uh, hip hop, you'd have your uh, diverse, which was like a mix of everything, which is the station that I was on. Oh, okay. Um, and you would just do shout outs to people. People would call in and request a song. Okay. You know, here's, uh, Spice Girls going out to lane 25 in Anaconda, Montana. Hope you're having a great time. <laughs> and, you know, here you are guys. And this next song is going out to, you know, these people in Duluth, Minnesota, at you know, the eyeball or whatever. Right. It's just, so the, you guys are broadcasting from a single point, but it was hitting all these different, all, all, all across the board. Wow. Even, uh, and we, it was live too. It was live. Wow. It was all live. Interesting. Yeah. And then we all, people would call in, we'd record their voice and, you know, they, they, they would do a shout out to themselves. Right, so right. when you play it back, they'd hear their voice and sure. record. Yeah. It was it. So yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. I worked there for, for a little while. That sounds awesome, man. It and was, was it was, it was an easy, it was a very easy job, but yeah. like it was kind of, and that was just outside of London. 
It was in London. In London. In London. And they were broadcasting above, all over the states. Above a bowling alley. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> and that wasn't done per like that was just the just the spot that they got. Yeah, yeah. It was above. Uh, Oh, it's on a bowling alley, a palisade on Adelaide, uh, Adelaide, uh, Adelaide and Oxford. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which How long did you do that? I did that for, I think, three years. Like yeah. during school or like after? It was after. Yeah. It was after school. So you lived in London for a bit then? I lived in London yeah. for like five years. Oh, wow. And I lived right downtown in the financial oh, district. Cool. Just, you know, a stone throw away from all the pubs, which was very dangerous yeah. at the time. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. You know, working full time, yeah. single and having all these pubs. And it was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Man, this is amazing. <laughs> it's like, honestly, London is a fantastic city. Like it was, I mean, my mother-in-law lives there now. We, we get there not often, but, you know, often enough. Yeah. Um, but it is a, it's a beautiful city and it's got. It has a weird downtown. The downtown can be really boring or really lively, depending sort of where you are. And I guess that's true of any downtown, really. But yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, like it was a big punk place when we were kids. Like the still is. Like call the office. Call the office you know? still is. Yeah. There's a bar, a uh, bar that we used to go. I used to live um, above it actually, called the APK, the Alex P. Keaton. Alex B. Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like a huge punk scene. Oh, really? My roommate at the time was in a group called Single Mothers. Oh, yeah. And uh, they used to play there all the time. Oh, cool. kind of owned that place. But um, side note, do you know Nathan Brown? Nathan Brown. Because I know Rob and Matt know them. I feel like I know that name. Yeah. I, I, I'm so much better with faces than names. He if was, I saw him, I would I'd probably he's recognize him. He's, he was friends with John Elder. Yeah, I bet. I bet you. If I see, if I saw him, yeah. I would know who he is. The reason I bring that up is because he's like the the main man at Winks in uh, in London, yeah, which okay. is a bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like the head ba- uh, uh, bartender there. Oh, okay. Yeah. How did he end up down there from Cambridge? Oh, I don't know. Just whatever. Just yeah. migration. How do you end up anywhere? I guess. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Well, I know John worked at like uh, the Velvet Lounge. Remember the Velvet Lounge here in town? Oh yeah, and John used. To <laughs> oh yeah, John used to be the. Uh, he'd bring the beer up from because it was three levels, so he That's would, right. He'd run beer from downstairs to upstairs and no bring way. the empties down. Yeah, I think I remember my older brother. So telling I wasn't me that. sure if maybe he ran into that guy there. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible that place was something else. I oh, was. Uh, I had a fake ID. I think I had my <laughs> older brother's fake ID. Yeah. And uh, I was sixteen when I went in. When I went in there, first and only strip club I've ever been in. <laughs> And you got to understand when I look, when I was 16, I look like I was eight. Yeah. You know, I'm almost 30 now yeah, and you I, look and, young, man. and I still get ID'd for scratch tickets. Yeah. You, know, you look uh, young for sure. I got ID'd for buying Nightmare on Elm Street uh, <laughs> on fucking DVD because it was rated R at cinema one in the mall. Get on that. Oh so, God. so when I was 16, I looked like I was eight, nine years old. Yeah. Everyone knew, um, sure. but that was, yeah. And I remember trying to use their ATM machine, worst ATM machine I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah. It charged you. It was expensive. It charged you $6 yeah. to get out. But the thing was, is you could only take out 20s at a time. Yeah. So if you wanted right. 60 bucks, you had to do it three times. Oh. So it would charge you the six or seven, eight bucks. Each time. Each time. <sighs> and I'm like, you guys are nuts. That place, you, uh, Honestly, man, we, Rob, you know Rob, yeah, Rob Hughes was just on episode three of yeah. this podcast. Um, 
he took me there for my bachelor party, my quote unquote bachelor party. Amazing. And I had never been to a strip club. This is the strip club he takes me to. And one of the strippers was uh, overweight. Okay. The next one that came out, had she was a very attractive girl, but then she had this big smile and a tooth missing right here. Not, <laughs> right on the front, right in her smile. So it's like, I'm like, what is this place? How did I end up here, right? And then just every strip club after that I've been, subsequently after that, has just been worse and worse. So I've yeah. just decided that strip clubs are not for this guy. Like, I've just given up on strip clubs altogether. No, there's... They're no, <laughs> they're so expensive. <laughs> well, that's it, and I mean, like they're rip off. And anybody that thinks the, they're in there and the girls like them are silly. The girls like your money, and when you don't have any more money, you're. It's like when waitresses are really, really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. like they work on tips. Exactly. You know, I've had so many yeah. friends be like, "Oh, I think she likes me." I'm like, "No, nah, man. Mm-mm. She works on tips." Yeah. She yeah. doesn't. She doesn't want to be here. Oh, exactly. I don't even want to be here. <laughs> no, <laughs> <Like> no, <laughs> I know. It, you know what? So, it seems to be this weird like rite of passage that every you know male goes through to go to these strip clubs when you're young but they're, they're really not a good place to hang out no they're just a, they're a money pit and the, the music sucks the music is awful the dancing is horrible oh it smells bad the clientele yeah. i just imagine the clientele yeah. that go there it's i've just, seen many uh you know a quote-unquote pervert in pervert's row i know oh, why they call one, it that oh, it just 100 <laughs> percent. there's a reason it's called that and you can see the type of people that sit there 100 percent I wish I could go back in time and see my 16-year-old self wandering around in the Velvet Lounge. Oh, God. Yeah. What a sight. Yeah. You know, and we ended up actually, do you remember upstairs they had like the Sky Bar? Did you ever go up there? I never went upstairs. I only went there once or twice and we stayed on the main floor. Yeah. Yeah. We went up to the, the Sky Bar because, like I said, the strip club was so bad. Sure. And, um... And I remember the shooter girls were really nice. They were talking to us. Again, they're nice because they want your tips. They Absolutely. want your money. They're working. And they don't take their, you know, they don't get naked, but they but they work hard for their for their money, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And uh, I said to the girls, I said, listen, this, uh, this place is awful. You know, and she, and she just started laughing. She knew exactly what I meant. I said, is there any part of this place? It's three floors. What's the best place to go? And she goes, you might want to go upstairs to the sky bar. She says, the music is better up there. There's no There's no naked women, but the music is better. That's and we did right. that, and we went upstairs. It was an open air. I loved it because it was open air, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And at the time, you could smoke out there. You can't smoke on any patio no, anymore. So no. everybody was smoking up there, and it was it was just a different crowd. And we ended up spending the majority of the night up there, and it was it was it was really good. It was the best part of the strip club was the part where there was no naked women. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really weird, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's the kind of thing you do when you're young. I I got it out of my system. You know, long ago, I'm I'm not interested anymore. To be oh, honest, oh, I've not been interested. That ATM, <laughs> the yeah, ATM, just that episode. Alone. I was just like, never again. I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> now, what about? Um, I know, like <clears throat> when I talked to you a while back, you were at the time. I mean, I'm going back. This has to be four or five years. Yeah, ago, yeah, four or yeah. five years ago for sure. At the time, I you were into performing some stand up comedy at the time. Yeah, you're not doing that anymore at all. I haven't done a show. In probably almost a year, I would have thought it's okay. been a, it's been a little while. It's been a little while. When I got back from uh, BC, that's like one of the two things that I wanted to do was art mm-hmm. and do stand up comedy. Yeah, I was just honestly I was bored. I just wanted to try it. Yeah, and uh, I like talking to groups of strangers I've never met before. Yeah, um, I don't know why. I just do. Um, 
So I thought I'd try it out, and I've always kind of been a class clown and kind of yeah. the funny guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I'm a big fan of writing. I mean, one of the things I took in school was commercial writing, oh, okay. and that I did a lot of commercial writing oh, really? for a very long time for various like radio stations and stuff. Oh, really? Um, so I mean, writing was always kind of a thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I tried it out. I did it for like a solid two years okay and then realize well the art thing got a lot busier so that's one reason i stopped right and also there's a lot of traveling involved um with comedy you're always going somewhere and sometimes it's not even close to being worth it you've lost money doing it pretty much um you you do it for the love of it yeah uh at, at that point um yeah and i wasn't loving it too much so i kind of was just uh, backed off and just kind of focused more on the art thing. Sure. You also don't need to kind of do stand-up in order to be funny. Uh, you know, no. you, you can kind of just be funny all the time. Well, with social media now, yeah, anybody exactly, can be, right? you know, you, if, if you've got an outlet all the time for your exactly. jokes. You, know? you, can, you can do it in other forms. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be so, like, yeah. you know, so old school right. in, 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 your, in your way of doing it. Yeah. So, um yeah, I kind of just uh, I kind of kind of gave up on it a little bit. But oh, if I bad. I've been asked to do a few shows and yeah. I think uh, I've turned them all down. But um, <laughs> I think in in the future I wouldn't I wouldn't mind doing it because I still write jokes all the time as if I'm going to do a stand up yeah. show. Yeah, totally. I'm always writing jokes. I've got so many notebooks. Yeah, um, just filled with all kinds of ideas and songs and and everything to do lists, all of it. Right. But all, I still write constantly. Yeah. uh, All the time. I was doing the same thing. I I really had this, the reason I was talking about it is because at the time I was contemplating trying to go up somewhere, you know, finding an open mic somewhere. I know like Kitchener, for example, has, has a open mic still. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know if there's any in Cambridge, but I'm sure you could find someplace, even if it wasn't specifically for comedy that would let you go up at an open mic and, you know, try your thing. Um, yeah. But the problem is when people aren't there specifically to see comedy, it kind of, you know, the people people that want to laugh are sort of probably going to give you the, the best um, chance. Res- response. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. The best Abs- chance to actually have a good set. You it's know all, I mean? you know what? It's all about venue. Yeah. It's oh, totally. all about the venue. Open mics are not necessarily a good place right. to try out your jokes one because the people that are there mm-hmm. are aren't coming out for amateur night they're right. coming out because they know cindy and it's her first time up and we're friends with her right and you know we support her and all that stuff uh-huh. so yeah you're only you're, you're not getting true comedy fans out right you know you're getting just like family and friends yeah, out yeah. that are kind of like hurry up so i can go home kind of attitude mm-hmm um, so they're not always like the, the open mics aren't always the greatest, but it's a good way to start and kind of get your name out sure. and meet other comedians. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the first time I ever did a show, which went extremely well, um, I was approached right away to be part of a, a comedy group that was just starting. Oh, wow. I just got lucky and just happened to be there on the night that they wanted to get something together. Okay. And, uh, I was asked to join. So, and that was really cool. Cause after that, most of the hard work was I wasn't booking my own gigs. Right. You just go off to show wherever. Up wherever. Yeah. And where uh, was that? Where did you meet? Where did you meet those people? Um, I met them at uh, the Yuck Yucks open mic okay, at like yeah. Rum Runners. So uh, yeah, King yeah, and Queen yeah. in Kitchener, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't think is there anymore. 
I don't know. I, I, I know knew, they. I, I know knew of that club. I know they were renovating and then they just gave up and oh, then really? it never like reopened. Oh, that's too bad. Um, I think I might be wrong about right. that. But uh, yeah, so I met the big bopper actually. He's <laughs> that, that another mutual friend of ours. That clown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mutual being the the, the key word. Uh, yeah, I he's the one that actually approached me and. He uh he had a few other comedians lined up, all great, all awesome. That's guys. the Wolf Pack. That's oh god, don't bring <laughs> up that name. I hated that name. That's like circa WCW nineteen ninety nine, like the Wolf Pack. Yeah, like what a terrible name. The, the, that, just which was which was which was uh the Bopper's idea. You know you know that was that that was like he thought it was amazing. He described the troupe the comedy troupe if that's what you want to call them the oh, associated yeah. comics the pack the pack <laughs> and the description of the pack was almost funnier than the description of the kind of jokes they told we had a blind guy <laughs> yeah ken who was uh who was actually a really really funny guy cool guy super super nice mm-hmm. i loved ken um and yeah we we had dylan who um has a what's it called uh, cerebral palsy. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing comedian. That guy's still going strong too. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually goes far one yeah. day. Uh, he's 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 amazing talent. Yeah, some of those guys, eh? Like, you just it just you hear them and you're like, why is this guy not famous yet? You know? Yeah, yeah. And he's he he's got that whole thing to play up. Um, yeah. And he he does such a good job doing it. Um, that's a thing. If you don't do it well, it just comes off kind of like a. I don't know. Making fun of yourself is great, but if you don't do it right, it can be awful. You know, like I've seen some people do it where it's just, it's awkward, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's you also know, you should laugh or not. It's like, ooh. Yeah. And he, he no, he does a good job uh, with it. Mm-hmm. But it's also dangerous doing that because um, you rely on one thing. Like yeah, most of it is, most of us, most of his set is just on that and you get stuck after a while. So what happens mm-hmm. if you do become popular and yeah. your first two comedy shows that are you know that you actually tour around yeah are great but then by the third one people want to actually hear like more universal jokes right yeah exactly um, then it can be a bit tricky but he, yeah. he he's a funny dude yeah he's, yeah he knows he knows what he's doing i saw a little person do that well there's a little person comedian right now i, I, I i'm again i'm so bad with names he's a he's a famous comedian he's been on a bunch of, of comedy podcasts i've listened to okay but so much of his act even like every time he puts a special out it's just about being a little person yeah and it's like okay man we heard that on the last special yeah you know like what else you got you know yeah and it's like and i think he was asked about that on the one show that i was listening to and he just didn't seem to bother him at all he's just like that's what i know he's like this is my life yeah. is, and enough. i guess there's something to be said for that but at the same time it it's like you said you get in that rut mm-hmm. you know and if you can't make it if you can't change it enough it just sounds like you're doing the same bits over and over again it becomes a gimmick and then it becomes kind of like almost like a fad you know what i mean yeah. it's just yeah. like this was funny because we had never heard a comedian talk about this kind of stuff before but then it gets old it can get old really quick oh absolutely yeah. it's just it's 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 a hard kind of uh yeah uh, approach and listen I, I never even gave it a shot so I, who am i to sit here and take pot shots at people I, you know i'm not going to like if you're anybody getting up there who's willing to stand up in front of a group of complete strangers and say you know make noises with their face and hope that people make noises back yeah you know i got mad respect for it it's it's, it's hard work it's t- it takes you know? it takes a lot of balls man yeah. to do it um because i know so many funny people mm-hmm. hilarious people yeah um 
but you throw them in front of a crowd with a microphone. It's not the same. With lights and you can't see anybody no. in yep. front of you. Yep. Like, they're not going to be as funny. No, and it's not the same. Like, you know, like, I, I like to think that I'm sort of funny in a group situation. Yeah. But it's, that is a different dynamic than standing in front of a group of people who are waiting for you to make them laugh. It's hard. You know, it's when a, you're in a group situation, it's just a conversation that's going on and then you can say the right thing at the right time and people laugh. It, it's a, it's a tall order. It is. Yeah. Did you ever, like, did you ever bomb? Did you ever have any bombings? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. That's, that's one terrifying. time I, one time I, but, okay, one time I went on stage in Brantford, a place called uh, Therapy Lounge. Okay. Which the lovely bopper booked. Um, <laughs> we always got booked in the worst places. They were, they were more like places that he would go to and right. not so much what we wanted. Right. To build our audience. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, one time I went on stage and I was like, Hey everyone, I'm Alex. And right away, some guy was like, you suck. <laughs> and I'm like, all I said was my name. You haven't even heard my jokes yet. And that guy was just, <laughs> it wasn't so much that I bombed. It was that guy just ruined the set right? to the point where I bombed yeah. because nobody heard anything. And this guy was just drunk and being yeah. a jerk. Right. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been times uh, where I bond because my kind of comedy was for you know people like our generation people yeah. that grew up in the 90s sure. people you know that kind of humor so yeah. when you do a dive bar called Touchdown Pub in yeah. Hamilton right with uh, you know older crowd $2.50 drink yeah. special and people are y- yelling put back the game you know turn the game back on instead yeah. of this stupid comedy show like it's hard to, to yeah. do a good show you know what I mean? There's been times where I've done one set and it's gone completely well. Like, you know, uh, people have been receptive to it. Right. Even after the show, people were like, that was really funny. I could go to another place, which was like a dive or just an older crowd, mm-hmm. um, do the exact same performance. You know, same pauses, same mm-hmm. breathing, inflection and voice, all of it down it to a T. But it doesn't land. It's yeah. like it, they're not having it. Yeah, I know, man. And th- that's honestly, that is the thing that kept me away from trying that because I thought, and you kind of, you kind of confirmed that when we, when I was talking to you, because I always thought that how do you appeal? And, and I mean, the, the greats will tell you that you shouldn't worry about appealing to anyone. You should mm-hmm. just go up there and be yourself yeah. and tell the jokes that resonate with you. Absolutely. And when you find the right crowd, you will get a following yeah. You know, based on the people that are like minded to you to yourself. Yeah, if you you're know? if you're a funny guy, you're yeah. a funny guy. Right. That's it's just the right. it's just the performing part that you have to yeah. get over and all all the all the mm-hmm. shit that comes with it. Really. Yeah, and it's it's the bombing that scares me though. Like I I just I, I can't imagine being up in front of a group like a place like Yuck Yucks for example for example if they had like an open mic. Um, or like, you know, they travel around and they do these, these comedy shows. Like I know they do one Gator's Tale here in town every once in a while. It's put on by Yuck Yucks. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine being one of those comedians standing in front of a gr- crowd of, I don't know, 80, 100, 150 people that are there to see a comedy show and telling jokes and having nobody laugh. Because I've seen that. I've, I've, oh, yeah. We saw Russell Peters. My wife and I saw Russell Peters when he was uh, headlining for Yuck Yucks in Canada. Okay. So this is like, you know, you're talking, I'm talking probably... 12, 13 yeah, years ago. Yeah, wow, good, like a decade. So yeah. I'm in Kitchener, yeah. and the MC was great. 
the opening act was great, but the middle was horrible. Yeah. She was awful and nobody laughed. Do you remember her name? No. no. She had one joke that landed. It was a joke about Leanne Rhymes that she had that song, like, How Do I Breathe Without You? That song. Okay, yeah. And yeah, she yeah. said, uh, How do you breathe without him, Leanne? Try taking his cock out of your mouth. <laughs> and it la- and everybody laughed. Right, she goes, Wow, funny. I found the level of the room. And she quickly got off the stage. That was it. She yeah. left on the high she, note. She pulled a George Costanza, left exactly. on the high note, and got the hell out of and there. And then Russell Peters came up and proceeded to destroy that crowd. Everyone was in tears. Like yeah. every everything that came out of his mouth. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. I just don't know how. You got to build a following. Oh, God. They're, they're so good. They're destroying because they're out to see him. It's yeah. not that he's... No, he's obviously yeah. an amazing talent. Oh, he was he's so a, funny. A very, yeah. very, very yeah. funny. But it makes it even... It's a lot easier yeah. when you have an audience. For sure. Because he was you, a headliner, right? It's like when somebody tells a joke and you don't think it's funny, but you start laughing because the other person right. beside you is exactly. laughing and finds it hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, 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 it it's becomes, contagious for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of how he was. Like at first when he came out, um, again, like I had no idea who he was. The, the, we brought a table of about 10 or 15 people roughly with us. It was a girl's birthday. We went for her birthday and and um, nobody, none of us had any idea who he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you start chuckling at first, but then like by you know minute five the it's just guffaws in yeah. the whole place and you're like yeah. he was he was controlling that entire room yeah you know like just with the with the words the structure that he had and at that time Absolutely. he was still at that time he was still doing the uh you know somebody gonna get hurt real bad stuff you yeah. know the comedy about his dad and and then which ended up on his first special um and you know we you know we saw it five years before and yeah. it killed then and it killed in the specials so yeah. it just you got to have that personality, but you also have to have the, like you said, the performance yeah. has to be there. You got to be able to hit that timing just right and give the crowd time to react to what you said. Sometimes it takes them a second to understand it, you yeah. know, but a, a shitty comedian might move on to the next joke before that one even has time to process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But no, uh, abs- absolutely, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's an art. It's an art in itself. Right. And, oh, and, and there's so many different styles and there's so many, uh, you know, the audience changes. It's not like, oh, it's a comedy crowd, so they're going to like any kind of comedian. Yeah, it's, exactly. That's not true at all. Yeah, exactly. And it just, I don't know, man. Like, again, it's something that I'm scared of. Like, I, I, uh, you know, like you said, I've got a bunch of uh, premises, like, written down in my phone mm-hmm. and, and things that I, you know, have worked sort of into a bit. And then the, the worst thing I probably do is try them out of my wife. Because yeah. she and I have, <laughs> well, she and yeah. I have totally that's different. A, that's the best practice. We, yeah. But we have totally different senses of humor. Oh, well, what's yeah. funny to her, I mean, I mean, we do have some crossover, obviously. Oh, but, sure. But what's funny to me is not always funny to her. And yeah. so I find like my premises sometimes don't land on her. Sometimes she laughs. Sometimes she doesn't. And I feel like the best one, my, what I feel are the best ones, don't land on her. And what I feel are the weakest ones, she laughs at. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so th- that again, like that Makes puts sense. doubt in my head. Every time I think, I'm gonna go try something where i can sign up and and then i'm like no i'm not going to because i don't feel like i have anything that's strong enough to do that yet you know yeah i'm what that that's the one thing is you have to feel comfortable in yeah, order to totally. get, in order to be uncomfortable you have to be really com- uh, comfortable because the first few shows i mean i like i said i like talking to um i like talking to audiences that i've never met before uh no problem um but it 
that's not the same for everybody. Right. You know what I mean? But people do have the comedy itch and they want to get out there and they mm-hmm. want to, they want to tell their jokes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They want to make people laugh. That's, yeah. that's really the rewarding part oh, of yeah. making people laugh. Never mind getting paid. It's just like, Oh, I can imagine who wants man. to get paid for not making anybody laugh. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, but getting paid in comedy, like you better, you better be willing to wait a bit because it's Absolutely. not going to happen right away. Absolutely. You know, you got to put that time in first, right? Absolutely. We, like I said, I lucked out. Because I got invited into that comedy group. So right, we, right. I started getting paid right away. Not a lot. Right. But getting but some. getting paid. Some, I mean, right? I got by my second show, I was already getting like 60 bucks, which I was like, wow, 60 bucks That's for five, money. five minutes of work. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Um, but the, the one thing you have to get over um, somebody looking to get into comedy mm-hmm. or getting, uh, getting started is... If you bomb, if nobody laughs, because everyone would always ask me, ask me that. It's like, well, what if nobody laughs? Yeah. Like, what happens? <clears throat> it's just like, nothing happens. Nothing happens. You, you move on to the next you joke. Get, you get paid the same. <laughs> you're not going to die. <laughs> yeah. You know, no no yeah. one's going to knock on your door at three in the morning and kidnap right. you. Like, nothing is going to happen. Yeah. You just get off the stage and... You learn from the experience and you try it again the next night or whatever. The next show. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. It's 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 not that big of a deal. No. Um, I think people put way too much... They focus way too much on that. Right. Be like, I need to, I need to make people laugh. It's yeah. not as embarrassing as it may seem. Right. You know what I mean? You just get really, really drunk after, and then that's it. <laughs> you know, you forget you forget your problems. Well, <laughs> and, you know, like, I think about all the time, I think about those greats. Like, you know, we were talking about Don Rickles before. Um, like, do you think Don Rickles would give a shit if he bombed? No. That guy said whatever was on his mind, and no. it was always funny. And if he didn't think it was funny, he didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? He just, he moved on to the next insult, you know, and just... <laughs> Don Rickles, especially for the time that he started doing comedy... So was ahead. so offensive yeah. that probably for the first, you know, six years of his career, he's probably just getting ridiculed and oh. being asked to leave. It's like Lenny Bruce. Lenny, Lenny Bruce, Bruce yeah, too. You know, that guy got banned from everywhere yeah. in America. I think San Francisco mm-hmm. was the only place that would have him. Right. Right. And, and he was so mild. It was it, like by today's standards, he was so mild. I can't even understand the jokes because they're yeah. a product of their time. Exactly. But, uh, you know, but they're pr- they sound pretty mild to me. They are. They yeah. don't. Yeah. You know, but for the time it was cutting edge. It sure. was like, you. well, he had sexual jokes and oh, stuff I, like nobody yeah. was doing sexual no. jokes back then. Not during yeah. the Depression. No, <laughs> no exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, it was it was it was rough times. Um, But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, you just got to. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but well, I mean that happens a lot on this podcast. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> I just scratched something on my friggin' leg and it's bleeding like a bleeding like a stuck pig. Really? Yeah. Well, the cat scratched me the other night in bed. Do you have cats? I don't, but I love cats. I love cats too, but they're the, kind, they're little bastards though. You yeah, know, yeah. He, my wife scared him and he scratched up my leg, and then I now just itching it with my foot because it's got a little bit of a scab on it. Right, right. Now it right, just started right. bleeding, it, but it's yeah, it's fine. Okay. I'm, I'll live. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about just comedy and stuff. So, have you seen, like, I know you haven't been performing, but have you seen any lately? Have you been um, going to comedy shows at all? I've gone to a couple, but not many. I mean, even when I was doing comedy or before, I never really went to comedy oh, no? shows. I never really watched comedy movies or yeah. comedy stand-ups, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. I just uh, just wasn't into it. Um right. 
But you, um, do you watch any like specials now? Or I think the anything? latest special I've watched was like Chappelle's new stuff. Yeah, that that's did, really that, good. Yeah. I've only seen the one. I only saw the first one. There's two parts. We watched the first one. I haven't seen the second one yet, but the first one was pretty good. I love it. I yeah. love both of them. Actually, yeah. I think they're both great. I think the yeah. um, for the first uh, or for the second one, I thought the beginning was a little slow. Okay. But then I was just like, you know what? This is actually really good. And then I watched it again the second time. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's solid. What am he's I talking about? He's that kind of guy, though. He's that kind of guy. He takes a bit of time to ramp up. Even the first one, like, he didn't come out of the gate strong. It took a yeah. while to warm up that crowd. and then, But once he got going, it was great. But his old stuff, like, I mean, the new stuff's great. Don't get me wrong. But his old stuff, like, even the stuff he did on, at Just for Laughs. He was yeah. at Just for Laughs in the 90s. And yeah. I'll never forget, like, he had, like, a... It's so funny, like without probably without even knowing it, he wore like the Canadian tuxedo, he had a jean jacket on, and, right, and a pair right. of jeans faded, like real light, yeah, and uh, and had to work clean because it was well, I mean, not clean, clean, but they you know, they bleep whatever, yeah, but even still, he worked fairly clean and it was so funny, yeah, you know, and like just just a killer comedian, yeah, you know, and that guy's never worried about what he says, too, no, you know no. what I mean, when uh, when uh. Michael Richards did what he did at the uh, yeah. at the Laugh Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they introduced a new rule that you couldn't drop the N word. Yeah, at the he still or if you did, you would get fined a certain right. amount of money every time you said it. Yeah, he still does it. I think he's the only comedian that still that still yeah does does it in in that venue. How like, can you not? If that's part of your, I mean, that's part of his life. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not just part of his comedy. It's part of his life. Yeah. You know, he that's the way Dave Chappelle talks. Yeah. And what are you gonna do? You're gonna censor yourself at a comedy show? Like, yeah. That if if there's any place you should be free to, you know, tell whatever jokes it's, you want, it's, it's at, there. It at a People need to understand show. you're at a comedy show. It's it's comedy. It's satire. It's it's meant to be light it's not meant to be offensive yeah nobody's there to tell a joke that's meant to offend somebody they want you to laugh they don't want you to be offended yeah you know yeah that's and it right i don't understand yeah. the people that hear even mild comedy bits you know and they they're offended by it it's like okay hang on a second hecklers especially like and i mean I, i've never seen a heckler live um but you know i've been listening you know i listen to like a lot of specials and i used to listen to um Funny 820 on the AM rate on okay. the AM yeah, dial yeah, that yeah, had yeah, like yeah. all the comedy bits. Nice. And you'd, you'd hear every once in a while somebody would heckle, and it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like this is a, they're taping a special, and you're heckling. Like yeah. what the fuck, you know? That's another weird thing about the audience is, um, they see somebody doing it who might not be a big name, mm-hmm. and they're kind of just like, well, I could do. They want to be part of the show. Exactly. The hecklers want to be a part of the show. Totally. They want to be a highlight. Right. You know, <coughs> they're just and. They're just being idiots. Really. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're morons. Yeah, know? I don't think I've ever felt the need to heckle at any show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you only get that with comedy. It's not like you're at a ballet. Yeah, you know, show and you're just like your dancing sucks. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody know? yells out anything else. Like yeah. it, it just. I don't understand why people feel that they can openly do that like like you said it's a comedy show it's weird but you wouldn't yeah. do it anywhere else it's a weird thing it's I, only comedy shows that really attract sporting hecklers. events maybe well sporting you know? events it's almost expected at sporting events absolutely though. Yeah. absolutely like baseball games i mean like i've, I've been to baseball got baseball games where like rob for example has been with me yeah and uh you know like we, we saw the jays play the yankees once and he okay. was heckling uh, a rod was the time at the time a rod was cheating on yeah. was cheating on his had just been caught for cheating on his wife and Rob heckled him for that, but, um, you know, it, it, it's acceptable there, but, uh, you know, the guys up there, the com- or, or girl, the comedian is up on stage, 
they're putting themselves out there and you're going to be the asshole that yells something out and wants to be, like you said, wants to be part of the show or is offended by something enough that they feel you have to say something. Just leave. If everybody else is laughing and you're offended, maybe it's maybe it's not the comedian for you. Maybe you should leave. But yeah. no, they feel like they got to yeah. yell out. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, sporting events, you're supporting a team. You want them to win the league yeah. or the series or whatever, the playoffs, whatever's right. happening, right? And you're kind of, you're kind of a part of that. With like comedy, it's like it's like actually going to like a play and like start heckling yeah. because somebody's acting is not to par, right. or they forgot a line, or they tripped crossing right. the stage. You know what I mean? It's like it's you would never do that. You would never do that at a theater yeah. show or you know whatever. It's yeah. just um, or like some recital or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? It would never it would never happen. But comedy just seems to attract that crowd that want to be part of the show. Right. They think. Everyone always thinks they're funny. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're the funniest person yeah. in the world. So <laughs> totally. when you see somebody who you don't think is funny, and they could totally be funny, um, you know, you want to show them up, and you want to be the funny guy sure. or funny or funny girl or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Make your friends laugh that are at the table with you, whatever. Yes, be yeah. part of the show, get some attention towards you, yeah. all of it. I don't know. It's, it's it always seemed weird I'll, to me. I'll never forget. There was a comedian. It, it might have even been... Fuck, I bring up Joe Rogan on every one of my podcasts. But Joe Rogan's the man. He, I, I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast like religiously. I listen to I every single Joe one. Rogan's podcast. Or, or most. I don't listen to all of them, but he's, I listen to most. He's a bit of a know-it-all, but I like yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's kind of like half half the shtick of why, I, you know, well, his shtick is like he yeah. thinks he knows everything even oh, though he yeah, kind of does. Yeah. But um, I, I think it was him or one of his friends. I can't remember. But I remember that he told the story. I for, he for sure told the story that him or someone else was up on stage and somebody just went next. Yeah. Like, like he told a joke and they just went, it didn't land and they went next joke. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't do that at a comedy show. Like you're throwing the guy's whole pace off. And I think I'm pretty sure he said that he just, again, I'm not sure if it was him or somebody else. They just proceeded to rip into that person. That's the thing about you know? is any, if you know anything about Joe Rogan's stand-up comedy career, yeah. oh, I you don't, do. You don't, you don't chirp Joe Rogan. No, no, because he's, he's gonna come right yeah, back yeah. at you, and he is gonna just, and you win the crowd over. Yeah, totally. And then you become the guy that gets angry, exactly. or gets thrown out, yeah. or you know what I mean. It yeah. just, it's, a, it's, it's a like, weird. It's, it's like Bill Burr. If anybody yeah. heckles Bill Burr, I feel awful for them because he will destroy them. Absolutely. You know, he's such an angry guy as it is, and he, you know, he talks about that even in his stand-up. He talks about how he's working on that part of his personality absolutely but at the same time he's not shy to just destroy a heckler if you if you're so brave as to heckle him you it know? just it's it's funny and amusing for the audience but for that person who's heckling and for the comedian it's the most uncomfortable shit ever oh yeah i remember that happened to me once oh yeah um this guy was heckling me and i just went off on him mm-hmm. and just kind of and i made the audience laugh but i also ruined the show <laughs> At the same time, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I, yeah. uh, I, I, you. Not only did I alienate that person, but I alienated myself at the same time. Right, right. You know, and I remember an older comedian coming up to me, Thomas, really, really cool guy. Um, he kind of took me under his wing oh, in yeah. the in like the first year that I did comedy. Okay, and he's like, dude, and he's like. That was like funny. There was moments where it was funny, but it was moments where you were just straight up being like mean and like you weren't you weren't landing. You were just straight up being vicious. And uh, yeah, but how do you not go to that place when yeah. the person is what they, they've 
like you, you know, like I was saying before, you're putting yourself out there. You know, th these people have to understand you are opening, almost opening your soul up. You're making yourself the most vulnerable. Absolutely. By putting Absolutely. these ideas out. These are your original ideas. You're trying to, you know, get people to laugh at. And then somebody heckles you. Like, how do you not just proceed to just be the the most angry, say the most angry, dirty, vicious things to these people? It's you know? hard. It's hard sometimes. And depending on the venue, I mean, if you're at a really established comedy club, you could just like look at, you know, the door guy and be like, okay, he's out of here and just yeah. get him to leave and yeah. carry on with your, sure. your performance, what, right. you, what you plan to do. Um, yeah. It's difficult. It's, it, it's, it's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. You can never let it show that it's getting to you, though. Oh, yeah. Because then just opening the door. That's just it, man. It's just like and it's hard to do that. It's mm -hmm. hard to really do that. It's well, like it's like your talent poker, right? It's just really yeah. hard to not do it. Right. You right. Know? Um, but yeah, that's say la vie. That's part of the comedy. You, you know what you're signing up for. I guess it comes with the territory. Sort absolutely. Of, but, yeah. Absolutely. You know what you're signing up for when you get there. You know, you're not going to kill it every single time. Right. And, you know, it's going to take a really, really long time before yeah. anyone really starts taking any notice of mm -hmm. you, no matter how funny you are. Oh, absolutely. It takes a long time to get you know, established Some comedy. of the best comedians of all time did years and years of work in the toilets oh, all yeah. around the country mm -hmm. without anybody ever, not even not just writing an article on you, never mind a bad review, just yeah. any review. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. comedy's so big right now. It's like, I feel like everybody's trying it and everybody wants to be, have instant success. But if you ask like, you know, and again, I listen to a lot of, a lot of podcasts. I listen to Bill Burr's podcast. I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I listen to, uh, well, even the comedians that come on Joe Rogan's podcast, like, um, Tom Papa and those guys yeah. people like that. Yeah. They have the stories. Oh, Joey Diaz is another one. Yeah. You know, Joey Diaz is still not really a headliner. Um, uh, you know, he uh, a lot of shows, he's still like middles and stuff like that. Um, but they, they've been through it. You know, they've been through the hardship of, like you said, traveling across country and going to a show in Detroit and then having to do one in New York City and then traveling down to Mississippi, you know, and then back up to New York City the next two nights after that. Yeah. For hundred bucks yeah you know like <coughs> excuse me just to get their name out there just and do it and for the love of it man. yeah exactly yeah. at that point you just do it for the love of it just, just yeah because um and i mean again like you know that just goes back to my point like you can't expect to be famous right away you have to put in that time no you know and you have to like you said put yourself out there and open yourself up and see what works and see what doesn't until you become a seasoned comedian and you have that under your belt and then you have that solid whatever it is, 20 Re minutes, yeah, 40 minutes, hour. solid repertoire going yeah. and you can write as much as you want. But, you know, in the early days when you have no audience, yeah. you have nobody knows who you are. You no. have to you have to rely just on the material. Sure. Whereas if you're a more established comedian not saying that their material isn't solid it no, is yeah. solid but it's easier to test it out because people are on your side yeah you know what i mean you've you got a fan base yeah. so to them whatever you say may be gold mm -hmm. you know like every single time so sure. it's a lot easier to kind of um 
come up with uh, with different material. But yeah, and, and you it, feel more comfortable too. Yeah. Like you're not so worried about it. You know, you yeah. can be like like you said, you can be yourself you can be more. Yourself. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah, like in, in when you first start out, you have to have funny shit. Yeah, you just have to. No. It has to be funny. Yeah, for and sure. Because that's all you have. For sure. Nobody cares about yeah. who you are. They don't yeah. know you. You know. And even the greats have to work out their new stuff. Oh yeah, you know, like Big they, time. they put an hour out, and the hour is great. But after the hour's done, you can't do that material anymore because people know it. So they have to rewrite stuff. And during the process of writing, they're going and doing fifteen-minute spots or ten-minute spots and seeing what works and what doesn't. You mm-hmm. know, and so they still go through it. And I know that they still bomb occasionally. Like, I mean, there are some that don't. Like I know, like uh, Daniel Tosh is is notorious for being afraid to bomb. So he just writes like the funniest shit he can think of and tries to perfect it as much as he can before he performs it at all. Really? Yeah. He's yeah. afraid to bomb? That's what I've heard from, again, from listening to a couple of these shows I listen to. He seems like so jo- Like the Joe Diaz podcast, yeah, The Church of What's yeah. Happening Now, yeah. and uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. They A lot of people say, I mean, I've never heard that from his mouth, obviously, but uh, or heard him on any of these, because he doesn't do any of the podcasts. He's so big now, he doesn't. He doesn't even have to. Like he, no. he doesn't have anything to promote. He's got a number one show on Comedy Central. Right. I think it's still the number one show. Probably. Um, and that Tosh point oh is yeah. that still going? Yep. Yeah. And so he sells out his tours just from this show that he has. He just promotes it right on the show. Hey, I'm gonna yeah, be here, I can do a campus he tour. He always I'm used here, to here, here. promote like Daniel Tosh point oh on ice and <laughs> yeah, you know, like ridiculous <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah crazy yeah. stuff. But but yeah, that's what I hear from all these people is that he is He's gotten so good and so big that he is afraid to bomb now, but it makes him the comedian that he is. It makes it, you better. It makes him better because he, he doesn't want people, he wants people to laugh. That's actually not a bad thing to think about all the time because it, it, it makes you hungry. Yeah. When you get too comfortable in any in any kind of entertainment career, when you get too comfortable, you get sloppy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's like, yeah. it's like boxers. When boxers like yeah. start like up and coming they're hungry you know they got the eye of the tiger yeah, all that sure. stuff <laughs> yeah. but then when you get a little too comfortable and you know you're not you're, you're no longer hungry because right. you've been fed um you start to kind of slip as a boxer um it's kind of yeah. the same way with the entertainment industry as well yeah yeah so it's not a bad thing for him not actually now that i think about it uh of being afraid to bomb that's actually yeah. probably a good motivation oh, to just it, be the it best. it makes him so funny yeah i, I mean I, i've never seen a tosh special or any any of the jokes on the show where i've not thought they were funny. The they, guy's hilarious. Oh, oh he's so. The funny. guy is so. Funny. He's so good. His yeah. sense of humor is so on point. It's, you know, it's the best. And yeah. he, the older he gets, he never really loses that young crowd. He's always right on the pulse of what the young people think is funny. And it's because he he's super current. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can do that with uh, with uh, with a show like Tosh.0 where you're yeah. constantly pulling up clips that people have uploaded. You know, yeah. what I mean, you stay contemporary. Right. So the jokes right. themselves stay contemporary right. and i know there's writers like you always see his like he always does bits where you see he's got a team yeah, yeah the team, team is writing yeah. in that room they're always sitting around that big wooden table yeah. but at the same time it's always got that tosh flavor on it you know? he has the final say exactly like any like any comedian um or writer if you have like like somebody like a david letterman they always get the final say on the joke and say yeah we, we're gonna use this we're not gonna use this mm-hmm. same goes with art actually there's a lot of big artists like banksy who has a team there's no way he could ever do that by himself oh really i didn't you know, know what i mean oh he definitely has a team wow yeah 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 
if when you watch that uh documentary yeah, yeah. you'll 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 get more of an insight of how like things operate okay um but any big artist has has a team uh, mm-hmm. of but you know the the main artist yeah always gets the final say sure you sure. know Andy Warhol had his team but to do all these prints and stuff but right. he got the final say as to okay. what they're going to use what they're not going to use yeah i guess i never really thought about it that way but you're absolutely right there you need you need a team once you get to that level of fame there's no way you could keep no. up the creation no. you know when you when you get when your name gets bigger People demand more. You get more. bigger, yeah. Like in any industry, like you could be a musician. You oh, get yeah. bigger. You start needing. Uh, you need a manager. You need a PA. You need a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. You need this. You need that. You need a driver. You know sure. your team, your entourage gets bigger and bigger as right. you, as you get bigger. Same goes with the art world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, you know what? And like, it's so funny that like you say that because I. Honestly, I've never really even thought about that till like right this minute. You, oh, of yeah. course, you need a team. How could you? Oh yeah. How could you ever put out that? Like Andy Warhol, for example, mm-hmm. all those prints. How could you ever? You could never do that on your own. It's too, it's too much. It's almost too much work. You know, and it's hard. People demand it's it, hard. and yeah. once there's demand for it, you can't keep up to and that and shit. Andy did it for a long time. That guy was like, that's all that guy wanted to yeah. do uh, was paint. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it for a long time on his own, but eventually he just got too big. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like there's no way I can do this. Oh, yeah, I would never get any sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget what famous artist it was that would just work day and night. Like apparently, you can still buy his stuff on like eBay, like relatively like inexpensively. Like these little drawings and things that he would do. I th- it, was it Picasso? Maybe mm. before he died, he was just working every day, just pumping out like print after print after print. It's a lot of artists. That yeah. Just when you you know to be an artist like at, at that level, like you have to want to be the guy that just sits in a room for fourteen hours and never comes out and talks to anybody and yeah. just work your ass off. You yeah, know, you have to want to be that that person. Um, I know Keith Haring was a lot like that. Um, he doodled a, like a lot. A lot just to like mass, almost like mass produce to get, get stuff just out. Just to get stuff out, just to get it all out, mass produce, get ideas out, so you have room for more ideas. And hmm. if you can just doodle quickly and make something cool up, yeah. Why the fuck not spend like six hours just doing that? You know, yeah, one night or one evening and pump out like two hundred pieces. Well, especially like when you get a name going, like how how do you turn down that money? You know, like when yeah. people start demanding your work. In demand, and, yeah. You know, even if it's less of lesser quality than you would normally put out, how could you? How could you just turn that away? Yeah. You know, how can somebody? Uh, well, I want something. Where? When can I buy more? When are you making more? Yeah. How do you say? Oh no, I'm just taking a little bit of time off now. You can't, right? Yeah. People no. want to put more out. It's like, it's like comedians. They start building momentum. They want to keep putting out specials. You know, especially as an artist, you have to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Art is hard to sell. Um, you know what I mean, and there's. You know, there's a reason why some art is so expensive is because, you know, that painting is probably going to pay for this right. person's, you know, half of a year of bills or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, art's hard to sell, man. It's, it's, it's difficult. And when you actually have a market and you have, there's a demand for it and you just, you take advantage of it as much as possible. And well, yeah. Like because it's, n- it may never happen again. You mm-hmm. know, people might lose interest one month and then it's it's all over and right. you never sell a painting again right yeah and that's yeah and that's exactly what i was kind of getting at with this like picasso stuff it was picasso so i'm I just pulled oh, okay, it up on cool. ebay you can buy like lithographs like look at this one yeah. paul picasso pure roby signed etching 1881 with certificate of authenticity 189 bucks. yeah 
<laughs> that's not a bad. That's not a bad one. You can own a, a Picasso original piece of artwork for one hundred and eighty nine dollars. Yeah. But look at it. It's nothing special. It's just no. something you pumped out just I to mean, make some cash. You know? Stuff I did in grade four was better. Yeah, exactly. That's what Sorry, I'm saying. Picasso? Well, hey, no. listen. Again, I'm not the biggest you know appreciator of fine art. That's amazing. Yeah, these are all actually even the expensive ones. Like oh, there's some really expensive ones. Four there. grand for a Picasso. Mm-hmm. That's fucking nothing. No, it's it really not. A lot of people spend more than that on a guitar. Or a I really want. Too. I really want that first one. That one fifty three eighty eight. This one. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one's cool actually. That's like what is that a lithograph or some crap? I think so. Yeah, lithograph it looks double like piece. It. Yeah, yeah, but again, one hundred and fifty three bucks to say you have an original Picasso on your wall. Yeah, you know, it's just it's, and but that's the kind of crap he did, and he, you only ever hear about his real expensive, expensive stuff. You know? Oh yeah, you, like the collector stuff. Right. Is like, yeah. But he know, was an artist, and once you know, once there was demand, here you go. And it, I mean. Probably until he died, there really wasn't a huge demand, but there was enough of a demand. He was famous enough that he could get away with. He was pretty yeah. popular. He yeah. became popular. <coughs> I mean, Picasso is still like he died in the seventies, so mm-hmm. you know, for for like our parents and stuff like that, he's he's he was you know he was around and he was a huge name. You know yeah. what I mean? I think when I was growing up, when I thought of Picasso, I thought of like old school cats like Da Vinci. Yep. And, you know, Van Gogh, like cats that have been dead for like exactly. 200, 500 years, you know, 800 years. It's exactly how I picture You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, he was still pretty yeah. new. You know what I mean? Our parents would have grown up knowing Picasso. Yeah. You know, which is crazy. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable to me how fast stuff moves. Yeah. Like you think about when that guy was born to when he died, the shit that he saw in his life, how much changed you know, like crazy. the world was a ho- completely different place when went he died. through two world yeah. wars, yep. went through the depression, mm-hmm. you know, went through the roaring twenties, all of it. It's just like, and just technology wise, yeah. you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Just like just huge advances compared to, you know, 1920 to, you know, the late sixties. Sure. He probably, he's probably saw some crazy Even the shit. Auto, just the automobile. Imagine what the automobile was like when he was a child compared yeah. to what it was when he died. Yeah. You know, like it went from basically like the Model T almost to, well, not the Model T. Was, there was some stuff newer than that, obviously, like when he was young. But it went from like a very rudimentary vehicle to the modern muscle car, yeah. like a Camaro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you massive know? power, yeah. like, yeah. you know. And then think about like even just my parents. Like when my when my dad was a teenager, the muscle cars were the thing to have. They were the they were the top of the line. They guzzled fuel. They were pieces of shit really by our standards. Yeah. And now there's electric vehicles that will beat the shit out of any muscle car. Yeah. You know, in a zero to sixty test, the, the any Tesla will destroy any of those old muscle cars. My little golf out here, or my Jetta, I mean, that's got the two liter turbo engine in it. Yeah. Tiny little turbo engine. Was probably faster than some of those muscle cars back in the day because yeah. they were they were inefficient. Like they had some of them had you know a couple hundred horsepower. That's what my car has, a couple yeah. hundred horsepower. Yeah, and it's unbelievable how things change just that quickly. You know. Oh yeah. And like a guy like Picasso, just like you said, I picture him being back in like you know like the Renaissance. You know, but he's but he wasn't. No, he's was like a modern. No, you know. No, it's really weird. Yeah, it is strange. I don't know why everyone. Mm-hmm. Always thinks that I don't know is uh, just I, I thought it too. He just has that name. Up. It just you know yeah. when you hear the famous painters, it just he sits perfectly in with like those you know div- like you said like Da Vinci and like all that like old stuff. It yeah, just sits. Yeah. That's how I picture that name being. You know? Yeah, just like part of the greats. Yeah, exactly. Just there. And exactly. You're always perceived yeah. as being very old and yeah. Exactly. You know, 
and I, even when I was growing up, like, again, like, I'm not a big art guy, but, you know, like, I always pictured the great artists being gone. You yeah. Know, I, I never thought there were any current great artists because, you know, they're still alive. Yeah. Their work isn't really worth anything yet. And then, you see, you know, as they as they get older and pass away or as they get older and gain some fame, then you start hearing that, oh, wow, like, and you start seeing pieces like, wow, that's a really cool piece of art. But you don't think about there being any quote unquote greats right now. Yeah. You know, you only think about them as, as past tense, you know. It's almost like when you listen to a classical station, like classical mm-hmm. music radio station, there's a, so many contemporary composers yeah. that use like your whatever, the 99 piece right. orchestra, whatever it is. Um, and you always think it's ancient. <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah. was written yesterday, yeah. you know, like because it's not on top forty radio. Yeah, it's written yesterday <laughs> because it's like it's an old method of composing uh, a composition, yeah. uh, you know, or a performing composition. Yeah, um, yeah it, you always you always grow up thinking, oh, well, this is like a classical style, so it must be three hundred years old, right? When really it was written like last month. And yeah, it's Buddy's newest classical yeah. hit. <laughs> on the classical billboard charts that yeah. nobody fucking that nobody pays. that nobody knows nobody knows yeah, yeah, unless you're yeah. like a real classical nerd. unless you're a real like yeah that's a, yeah it's it's the same thing right yeah. it's just yeah it's just it's it's weird how um um any kind of art form can do that mm-hmm. you know I was playing uh I always play uh, I love psychedelic music oh yeah um so I always play like newer bands at the at the record store okay and i was playing mgmt's uh congratulations their second album okay. which is way different from their first one and it's it's pretty like psychedelic and you get uh older generations coming in and be like oh this is really cool like uh i never heard this album when did it come out and you tell them you know 2000, it's recent 2010 yeah. and they're like it sounds like it's from the 60s i'm like yeah, yeah i know it's it's crazy how and even film can do that i mean oh, schindler's totally. list did that yep. like you know no problem yeah, totally it throws you back in yep. like time and it but it's it's really not old at no, all it's just no. it's it's amazing how you can kind of um do some time traveling with music art oh and absolutely film and yeah and, absolutely. and writing and like you know, ab- ab- you know you can you can write a period piece and oh yeah it, it is what it is yeah. yeah it's it's amazing like you said how like art kind of transcends all that uh, it transcends time you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i remember hearing even like something as mainstream as like the sheepdogs yeah like when i heard the sheepdogs uh again like i keep bringing up rob but you know it's because i've been close with rob for a long time he and i are good friends but he introduced me to the sheepdogs have you heard of this band sheepdogs and he gave me a, a link to something youtube or something and uh i listened to it and it was like i was listening to something straight out of the 70s with yeah. better sound quality yeah it was so strange to me i'm like these people tap these guys tapped in to the sound of the 70s yeah and if you didn't know any better, if you just heard it, like you said, in a record shop, you'd think it was from the 70s. Absolutely. You know, like it just, it has, even the way he sings, the the uh, the the tone of his voice, even the like the, the type of, of way that he sings, yeah. it just sounds so old school. You know? All of it, all of it. Everyone, Which is awesome. Everyone says that, I don't know if I'm saying his name but, uh, right, but uh, Nathaniel Radcliffe, yep. like he's yep. got that huge uh, yeah. single on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another thing. It's a throwback. It is. Leon yeah. Bridges is another one that's mm-hmm. like contemporary, but it, it's a throwback. I was playing, uh, it happens all the time actually, but, you know, playing the Black Keys first album. Yeah. The big come up, which I think was like recorded in like a basement or something mm-hmm. like that, just with the two guys, right? So not uh, not you know overly produced. It's pretty. It's underproduced, if anything. Right. 
but a guy came in and he's like, aren't you too young to be listening to this? And I'm like, which was kind of a weird question. you know? Yeah, that like, is a weird mm, question. I don't think age has nothing to do with what music you no. listen to. No. But I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, this like this is really old. Like this this must have come out in like the 70s. Is like, what is this? Like Muddy Waters or something? I'm like, no, man, this came out like 2001. <laughs> it was Black Keys. Yeah. He's like, this is the Black Keys. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. I showed him the cover because we we display if we're playing something in the store. There's a little spot where it's like this is what's playing yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. So I showed him and he's like, that that's amazing. He's like, it sounds, <laughs> but it is, you know. And I started thinking. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And then I started thinking, but it's just like, you know what? This does sound like something Muddy Waters would have done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like a really hyped up Big Bill Brunsy or something yeah. like that. Like it really sounds like, first of all, like a black guy singing. Yeah. It and yeah. like just. Just old school. Yeah. yeah. They definitely have that or had that tone. I mean, like the, the new stuff is sort of, it's a bit more mainstream than the old stuff. It's definitely more polished and exactly. more produced. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, which is, which is great. But yeah. the early stuff is just raw. It's and, raw. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, there's the reason that they've collaborated with so many different groups. It's mm. because they sort of, they transcend, like you said, like, or like I said, the, the, the time thing, but also like the genre thing, you yeah. know, they, they kind of go back and forth and. And, uh, but what a, what a weird question to ask somebody like, aren't you too young to be listening to this? What kind of fucking question is that? Like, it's strange, you know, uh, it, it's really, really strange because good music is timeless. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? It's like, uh, are, is anyone too young to be listening to Yellow Submarine? I don't think so. Mm -mm. It's kind of a kid song really when you think exactly, about it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, let's say you were into, uh, Tchaikovsky. You know that doesn't mean that you're 250 years old or whatever. Exactly. You know what you I mean? Just it's like, just like the you music. just like the music. Yeah. You know, are you too young to be listening to classical music? Yeah. I don't think so. So no. why should any other genre be different? Yeah, um, it seems like that seems like a weird thing to say to somebody. I, I wouldn't even uh, honestly, I wouldn't even know how to respond to that if somebody asked me that. I'd just be like, uh, I don't understand the question. Happens <laughs> happens all the time. Yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, I mean. I'm sure when you were growing up too, you probably got that. You know what I mean? You the first time you discovered maybe like Pink Floyd or something like Zeppelin that. Zeppelin was a big or one Zeppelin, for me. And yep. then you know you get older generations being like, "You're listening to this." My dad like, was like that. I you I know took I mean? his Zeppelin. He he yeah. got Zeppelin CDs from. You remember Columbia House? Yeah, and Columbia oh, yeah. House was around. You'd oh, get like of course ten CDs for a penny, and then you were yeah. obligated to buy like another five or whatever. It's it was amazing. <laughs> so he got it. Like he got a shitload of CDs and. um at the time, he had a pickup truck that had a CD player, and this was like early days of CD players yeah. and vehicles. Yeah. And so he took a bunch of them, and then I remember I was with him, and he was playing, I don't know if he was playing Zeppelin or if it was like Clapton or something. And right. I remember just going, I was just starting to really get serious into playing guitar at that time. Like I was late. late. I think he, uh, you mentioned this on your last podcast. I mm -hmm. think he was playing Guns N' Roses. That was my he? uncle. Oh, okay. Yeah, my okay. uncle got me into the hard rock. My my, this was after that. So I had already, okay. the reason I started playing guitar was because I heard Welcome to the Jungle. That's right. That's right. Um, and I wanted to like play hard rock. I knew yeah. I, that definitely was what I was going gravi to gravitate to. But then my dad was playing, like I said, like more like classic type rock. Mm -hmm. He had Aerosmith. Um, he had the album Pump and he had, uh, and then he had the greatest hits record, yep. obviously on CD. But he also ordered like Zeppelin, I think it was Zeppelin 2. What everyone has like Misty Mountain Hop on it and like that's uh, number four. Number four. Yeah, that's got Stairway to Heaven. Yes, and exactly. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so I just went one day into his truck and he had all these CDs and I just took them. Yeah. And he's like, "Where's my CDs?" And I'm like, right, right. "I'm like, oh, I have them." And he's like, "Oh, you're listening to them?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, 
oh, that's okay. Like, he wanted me to be exposed yeah, to stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I listened to it, and it was, like, Zeppelin Four. I probably listened to it every day, almost every oh, day, yeah, through, yeah, like, yeah. grade 8 and grade 9. Absolutely. It was, like, like Misty Mountain Hop, just that, that symbol part of the start, like, the hi-hat part. That, like, it just... There's no better driving song. You know what I mean? Like, once I started driving, that was definitely in my mixes for driving, because yeah. it just... I love it. You I know? can relate to that. I mean, w- when I first heard that song, it was the like that Moog synthesizer keyboard. The yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. You know, I was yeah. just like, wow, yeah. that sounds so cool. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, but um, yeah, man. It's, um, it's interesting how you can, the shit your parents listen to can still be appealing to you, you know? And not everybody's parents listen to the shit that they might like as an adult, but a lot of people, their parents listen to stuff that was really great in the 70s you know what yeah, i mean absolutely uh, 60s 70s even some of the 80s even like early part of the 80s but it it's so weird you might have those parents that were squares and didn't listen to, <laughs> didn't didn't listen listen to what to you like listen to the but carpenters mo- or something exactly you know? exactly it's like, so great but my mom was into the monkeys and it kind of like you know it's the that's not my favorite, even though I do enjoy I can, some of their tunes. I can appreciate yeah, the monkeys. I can appreciate the monkeys. You know? I can actually appreciate the musicians that like recorded like those recordings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that oh, re- that wrecking crew uh, yeah. group of musicians. Like those guys held it down. And gals. Well, wasn't the one guitar player guy, Mickey something or other? He is a real musician. I think he didn't he write some of that stuff, or did they? They all they all they all could play. Yeah, they all could play, mm-hmm. but I think it was the record company's decision to hire session musicians because oh, that was okay. still commonplace in those days. Like, oh yeah, that absolutely. Was, like the Beach Boys didn't play on records. No, yeah, you know they got they sang, like, but they yeah. got the so-called like Wrecking Crew, which was like right. a tight group of uh, session musicians from mm-hmm. LA who came from all walks of life that just right. they clicked together. I mean, they did like Nancy Sinatra stuff. I think they even helped Frank on some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, they worked on a lot of people's albums. Well, recording wasn't what it is nowadays back then, obviously. Like no. you needed to get it right a, a lot of the time on like, not in the first try, but you needed to get, you couldn't screw around too much because it was all on tape. That's you know, it. and there was, editing That's was it. hard, you four, know? Four tracks, yeah, editing was you know once you mix down to one track, you only have three tracks left. Right, like you really right. had to nail it. Yeah, pretty much in a couple of, I would say every take needed to be important because yeah, you still needed to be you yeah. needed to be able to take certain things from each take mm-hmm. in order to use it. Everything mm-hmm. counted absolutely. Yeah, like I'll never forget that. Like like the Buddy Holly story is like one of my favorite movies because uh, like again, I'm such a music. Nerd, anything with anything a, involving with music with Busey, yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's in the studio and they're recording something and he's singing it. And the guy goes, "Let me just make a safety for you know, just in case." And he goes, "No, no, no, I'll get it in one, right?" And they record in the and then his what be, what would become his wife walks into the booth and he fucks up and now the whole thing's wrecked and they got to do it all again, right? yeah. And like I can just imagine what the producer would feel at that point. Just rage, just steam shooting out his ears Absolutely. because he's probably been there for hours recording all this stuff. Now you gotta do it all over again because he's just overdubbed over the only copy you have. You know, like that is such a foreign concept by today's standards, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you can really have a recording studio like re- recording space back in the day costs a lot of money. Oh, it absolutely. Still, it still it does, does still does, yeah. It still does, but you know, we're so blessed these days with having the means to mm-hmm. record and, you know, from this get thing, the posh mics, you know? get, you know, get get a simple setup and you can make 
I think uh, Nate uh, Bulla or Bulla. 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 Yeah, I messed that up a bunch of times. We'll get we'll we'll get to the bottom <laughs> of this one day. We were talking about uh, we were talking about this on Sunday actually mm-hmm. when he was kind of showing me his little recording studio that he has downstairs. You can make the ba- uh, have a basic setup and you can make it sound mega. You can oh, make it sound absolutely. incredibly good. Like it was done it like fucking at like oh, Electric absolutely. Ladyland or something yeah. like that. You know or olympic studio or emi or whatever it is amazing what software will do nowadays. yeah it's incredible like matt elder i mean you, you saw him that night i don't know if you i mean you're, i'm sure you've seen shred penner play oh uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so matt i think if i heard or if i understood rob correctly he even transitioned away from recording on GarageBand on a MacBook to GarageBand on an ipad yeah and the stuff matt writes and rob has it on his phone and he plays it for me from time to time you wouldn't know that was recorded in a in a or it wasn't recorded in a studio. Yeah. It was recorded in Matt's living room probably or in a bedroom mm-hmm. on an iPad. Bath- you know, bathroom while he's on the toilet or yeah. something. Yeah, it, yeah. Almost. I, yeah, yeah, know almost, what I mean? you like, know? It's crazy. You know, it's um so yeah, I mean studio studio time back especially back in the day was just like you could, oh, there's no wasting there's no wasting time. Yeah, I can there's imagine. No wasting time. I mean when you got like bands like the Beatles recording and I mean they recorded their first album in a night. You know, which is insane, you know, like if you can like that stuff is so good. And I know the recordings weren't always, like you said, 100 percent polished, like we used that word earlier, polished. And that's such a perfect word to use, because by today's standards, you can pay a guy to who's not even in the same country to, you know, you can send all the stuff via the Internet and the guy can mix it all down and make it perfect and polished. You You couldn't do that back in the day. It was like. They could get it as good as they could get it with the producer they had there, and maybe they could bring somebody else, but it was hard work, you know? Yeah, you pretty much just had to rely on being a musician. Yeah, it's crazy, really that they, it's crazy how fast those good bands could record that stuff, too. Even though even though it wasn't perfect, it's amazing how fast they could record those parts, you know? I, I think it's because uh, I was w- actually watching a, uh, or listening to uh, an interview with uh, Howard Stern and Roger Daltrey from The Who. Yeah. And Roger Daltrey was, because uh, Howard asked him the exact same question. It's like, how do you feel about all this and all that? And mm-hmm. Roger's just like, well, all we had was the music back then. Mm-hmm. That's all we had. Yeah. So that's all we knew how to do. Very you know focused, I mean? you know? Yeah, it's just like, it was part of your re- repertoire. It mm. was just like, you you just did it. And you knew it sounded good, or you knew it, you know, it didn't sound good. And if know? it didn't sound good, you just did it again. That's it. And you know what? Those, it, I love anybody that makes any kind of music, um, you know, like that, that can make any kind of music sound good. Like, I've never been, really been a, bit, a fan of like, noisy bands like even like i was always a punk kid growing up but i never really liked like the noisy punk like i liked uh sex pistols for what they were but they weren't ever really like my favorite band because they were well they got one album you know they got one album but a lot of it was kind of just and again that was their sound they were pretty trashy sounding you know what i mean that's it they were punk man yeah you know you got johnny rotten singing these songs but i always felt like they could have made those songs sound just a bit better you know what i mean like like uh What's the, what's the big hit like the God Save the Queen or whatever? Uh, what's that one called? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, God Save the Queen. Yeah. I mean, but that one sound like I feel like they could have made it a bit better. I mean, they were recording at a time when, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, it, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I I own that first album. Never mm-hmm. mind the bollocks. Um, yeah, I think the only really one that has kind of some melody to do it is like the Anarchy in the U yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Um, but they were definitely very different from. 
Ramones or The Clash. Yeah, Ramones really did that sound right. Because not only were the songs catchy and melodic, but they were recorded well. Like, for the most part, a lot of Ramones albums sound really good. I think so. For the time, they sound really good. I think so. Kiss. For the time, Kiss had amazing sound on their records. I think so. Amazing sound. Like Even if you don't like Kiss, you have to appreciate how good the, the recordings, recordings were yeah love gun sounds fresh oh. like love gun sounds like and they're yeah. and they're real musicians like they they the reason it sounds that way and the reason it sounded that way because of the limited recording back then or how they did it with the limited recording back then is because they were fucking good at playing their instruments yeah, you know there's nowadays you can be a kind of a shitty musician and go in and still make a record that sounds pretty good but you could have friend dresher come in the studio <laughs> And lay down a vocal track, and with auto tune, yeah, you can make it sound it like fucking Celine Dion. <laughs> you know true. what I mean? It's like, so true, man. <laughs> my heart will go on. You know, you just make it sound oh, amazing. It's so true. Um, no, you can you can make anything sound good. Yeah. I, I, I was watching a Paul McCartney interview, uh, and somebody had asked him about the Kanye West and Rihanna track that he did. Yeah, Kanye West just recorded it on his cell phone. Yeah, just and then like sampled it pretty much, and then you know that you you make a right. you make a hit out of it, and it's just like <laughs> fuck, I don't know about you know phones have terrible quality uh, recording quality, you know right. what I mean? It's just like it's amazing that you can make it sound as good as it. Yeah, with that really crappy mic in there. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Cell phones aren't known to have great microphones. No, so, absolutely yeah. not. Cell phones have the the, the worst, worst mics. The worst mics. Although my friend Sean Riley, who has been recording music for forever I is mean, that a hot kids singer no uh i'm confusing names now yeah no no no. hot kid is uh shiloh that's it okay. yeah no Shil- shiloh's in hot kid she, hot kid have you you haven't seen hot kid live have you ever seen um live? i've never seen him live but i own the album yeah the, well their most recent their one, most recent one. yeah I saw them play that live recently. Like, holy crap! What a what a Starlight. band they've become! Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I was I was supposed to go to that show, but I ended up falling asleep. They went from a two piece band to a three piece band, and they just they've got it right. You know, like the yeah. mix right now is perfect. Their chemistry great. is great. It sounds awesome. It sounds and as great. good as the album sounded, and I said this on the last podcast too. As good as the last album, or as good as the most recent album sounds, seeing them live is a completely different animal. I can imagine they are amazing they pull off the sound their sound is better live than it is on the album great it is amazing i'm so happy to hear that yeah 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 and i like i said to shiloh i I bumped into her and and pete as well that i hope things really do take off for them very soon they're starting to get a bit of recognition now finally yeah um they're being played on the radio which is amazing and they just have God damn it, do they ever have the right chemistry right now? And it sounds they great. sound so good live. It sounds great. And the reason I really, really love it is because they remind me a lot of like um, Elastica or uh, a group like Echo Belly from the UK. You know what I mean? They got that like 90s girl rock right. sound to them. It just sounds super, super familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And it just, the tunes are awesome. It's a yeah. great album. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And like, I mean, they've been. They've been making music for a long time, but uh, just like this last album really caught my attention. Like when I, when I heard it, when I first heard the first single, um, and they've you know they've put out videos before, and I've seen the links on Facebook. And, yeah, yeah, and it's it's awesome. I've always thought it was great, but I for some reason I just never had a chance to see them in person. And yeah. then I heard they were playing the Starlight, and I was like, oh, I'm going to see them. And uh, I'm really, excuse me, I'm really happy I did because. 
like I said, it was just it was an amazing live show, and I can't wait to see them again. Yeah, Shiloh's pregnant right now; they're about to have a baby. Her and her husband are about to have a baby, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of <laughs> I almost kind of wish they weren't because I want to see them play again like very soon. And I don't know if it's going to happen for a little while because well, of yeah. You know, they're playing hard. in Toronto coming up soon, but Toronto's tough for me to get to. Um, be just because I, I can't stand how long it takes to get there. Yeah. It just drives me friggin' bananas how long it takes to get down there. Right. I right. have tickets to see Bill Burr in September, uh, September 23rd or something like that. Nice. And I'm, it's not even a stand up show. It's like a Q and a, so right. I'm, I'm extra excited for it. But at the same time, I'm dreading the drive to Toronto because I know it takes two hours. It yeah. should take an hour. It takes two hours to go a hundred kilometers yeah. and it makes me bananas, you know? Just crawling into that city. Should almost just take the train. Thought about it. It's the venue is not close enough to where the train lets off. Fair enough. You'd have to get off and then take you know bus uh, or yeah. a, or a cab or yeah, an Uber or, or whatever. Uber or whatever. And it's I mean that that is a possibility. I could still do that. Um, but it's something to be said for having your own vehicle and then you know if you want to do something else after you can. Jump oh in yeah, the car. you got the freedom yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, have you been Have you been seeing anything like um, comedy wise like? on television be watching any of the shows like it seems to be picking up a lot of popularity there's a show right now called i'm dying up here which i'm really like into right now have you seen or heard about that at all i actually haven't watched or owned television for oh, probably like eight years mm-hmm. actually i just uh i actually it's it's kind of weird when i went to uh probably longer than that actually mm-hmm. When I went to college, which is when most people get into like really watching TV, I actually just cut that out. Yeah, I actually just stopped watching. I don't TV. blame you. Um, yeah, I haven't watched a show in an extremely long time, and the reason why yeah. I'm a huge fan of film, mm-hmm. but I can't watch shows anymore because shows are like they never end. It's like ten years of your life. Yeah, and no one's ever happy with the ending. People were upset yeah, about Seinfeld. People were upset with Sopranos. People were upset with Lost. People were upset with Dexter. It was um, yeah, yeah. No, it was it just no one's ever ever happy with the ending. So I'm just like, nah, I can't do I can't do twelve seasons of a show. But now with the internet, it's so easy because, like, especially with a show like I'm dying up here, like. If I didn't have HBO, because that's the only way you can really watch it watch right now, it. it's yeah. it's 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 a Showtime show, but their HBO Canada is like is has picked it up, yeah. and um, it's such a good. Apparently, from all the people I've heard that have promoted all the comedians, is like what they did was they it's a show about basically about the comedy store in Cal in LA, right. And about Mitzi Shore, it's it's loosely based on Mitzi Shore, who was, you know, the owner of the comedy store who would pass or fail or not pass or fail, but they should have to give you a pass to become a regular at the comedy store. And okay. so it's all about these young, hungry comedians that are coming up through. They don't call it the comedy store. They call it some other name. Right. But they're, you know, she's kind of grooming them and she's getting them ready for television gigs and everything else. Right. Right. And so it's kind of loosely based on what the comedy scene was like, but it's in the seventies. So it's like a, it's kind of a throwback show. So it's a, it's a period piece. So right. You know, and they've just done it so well with the haircuts and the, the costume work that they, you know, all the, I'm, assu- got the I'm assuming the writing's great as far as it's like, so like good. that time, what, yeah. what comedians would have been exactly. like talking about yep. and yep. making people laugh. Yeah. It really is. And they, and you see the interesting thing about it is they don't do the typical Hollywood thing where they only show you like, they might show you a guy doing his stand up bit once and that's all they show you. Yeah. What they're actually showing you is like the one guy who's like the, the top quote unquote, one of the top young comedians 
you see him do his act a couple of times. You see him do the same joke in a couple of different episodes yeah. or the same set of jokes in a couple of different episodes. And you see him do it different each time and yeah. play to the crowd a little bit. And one time he goes up, he's angry. So he does it one way. And another time he goes up and he's trying to do it real perfect because he's about to do a television gig. You know what I mean? So Absol- it, absolutely. It's just such a, absolutely. like, and normally like I'm not a TV guy anymore because I feel like TV has just gone so downhill and I still watch a lot of stuff, but I could really do without it. You know, like you if don't I really didn't watch it, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be missing anything. I yeah. just watch it because it's on. You know, I mean, like you said earlier, with the internet nowadays, it's like you don't really need a TV to be updated on actual no. television shows. Right. You know what I mean, you can watch a TV show no problem. Yeah, anytime you w- want, w- almost w- without having cable. Yeah, yeah, or satellite or you know whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, you can just do it. You know, but uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've actually watched any real like TV. Mm. I don't watch shows. I can't do shows anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge film fan. I like movies. I like having a beginning, middle, and an end all mm-hmm. in a two-and-a-half-hour yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you can kind of just, you know, they tell off after that. There's something to be said for telling a story in that time, too, yeah. you know? Yeah, Have you seen anything, like, really good lately that sticks out? Um. Well, there's, so, you know, there's so much out there, so you're oh, always so discovering content, yeah. stuff, uh, even from, like, you know, 50 years ago, you'll be yeah. like, I've never seen this, but I'm going to watch it. Right. Something that I've watched recently that has caught my eye... Um, uh, you know what? There's a documentary on Netflix called uh, Beware of Mr. Baker. Oh, yeah. Which is about Ginger Baker, the drummer for Cream. Oh, okay. Who, as a kid, uh, growing up and just looking at, like, Cream album covers or even, like, the sleeve notes and stuff, I always thought he looked like the devil and looked like the craziest <laughs> bastard ever. It turns out I was right. <laughs> And this documentary, Beware of Mr. Baker, is just, this guy is just, he's amazingly good, but he's just absolutely insane. And I was just like, this is what I've always thought, what I've always feared, even as a kid. I was just like, yeah, I I, I was right. (laughs) I gotta check that out, too. I just wrote that down. Yeah, it's called Beware of Mr. Baker. It's, It's fucking awesome. It's You'll fall in love with it at the intro. Yeah, it's just got the best oh, intro any, I've ever seen. Anything to do with music-related stuff, behind-the-scenes music stuff, I, I, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, like I just you know. Yeah, you'll you'll love this. I know you'll yeah. like you'll 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 dig it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I can almost guarantee by the sounds of it. Um, so we were talking a bit before, like you said, if people want to commission like work from you. How do they do that? Can they just get a hold of you through like the Soloist Project Instagram? Uh, Instagram's become like a good uh, platform for people to get a hold okay. of. I've actually f- sent a few things like around the world. Actually, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's I just, cool. I just some- sent something that just arrived to Germany uh, wow. a couple days ago, which was awesome. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, get 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 a hold of me through social media. Uh, a lot of my stuff, actually, surprisingly, is word of mouth. Yeah. You know, you'll meet somebody at a pub and you'll get into a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always the same conversation. What do you do for a living? Right, right. And then you sh- you show them some of your work and then they just, you know, give you their number and what they want. You know, I want a picture of, yeah. you know, David Suzuki or something <laughs> crazy, you know, and it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah great. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just social media is probably the best way through Instagram, okay. that, that Soloist Project uh, page or... Okay. Yeah. You've also been um, doing some commercial work, I saw. 
like for like the was it South Central Sausage or whatever it is? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you doing a lot of that stuff or no? Or just for yeah. Uh, I, I send him uh, something every month actually that oh, he okay. w- that he posts. Um, okay. And uh, so doing that right now for South Central Sausage, I've done some like uh, signs for businesses. There's a business downtown called Iris Arts. Yep. And uh, Eric, the owner, asked me to do the uh, the signs for them. Very cool. Uh, so you know doing that as well and right now the thing i'm actually working on right now which is taking up all my time i have no time to do the things that i really want to do because mm-hmm. uh, um it's the first like mass produced thing that i've ever done is um i know a guy who um he works with a lot of artists and he does a lot of uh he runs their merchandise booth okay uh actually uh nate uh knows who mm-hmm. he is that's one of the things that we discovered on sunday and he asked me to do artwork for uh, Roger Hodson of Supertramp. Wow. Yeah. So I'm wow. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing uh, two discs right now. It's going to be the vinyl art. Um. So the one is the cover for Breakfast in America, and the other one's uh, the cover for uh, Crime of the Century. That is amazing. So I have to do a hundred of each of them on the vinyl discs. And uh, he's going to sign every single one of them. So when he goes on the road, it's going to be available in his merchandise booth. It's right. like limited, only sure, available sure. 100 of this, 100 of that, signed, signed by, Roger, by, him, yeah. by Roger Hodgson. Wow, that is uh, awesome, man. That's yeah, really cool. yeah, yeah. So that's actually what I'm working on right now, which is taking up all my time. I can imagine, Because I, I yeah. have to do it before the fall, which is when his, when his tour starts. Wow. Um, so it's 200 pieces of that, and... Which is kind of it's great because it's like wow what a what a commission right sure yeah but after a w- after about like the fiftieth one <laughs> out of two hundred you're work. like oh my god <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore it's so fucking boring um, but yeah and that that's actually opened the doors to uh, uh, a couple other things too because Ron now has been showing people other artists and you know ron he's the guy's amazing the mm-hmm. guy's worked with like taylor swift celine dion good wow. charlotte you know big names like mm-hmm. big yeah, big yeah. top-notch entertainers so he's kind of been showing my stuff off to to uh, to other uh like managers that manage these, these right. entertainers and could so lead it, to something else yeah maybe. which which i don't want to mention his name mm-hmm. but he's a he's a canadian country singer and uh yeah Mm-hmm. I might be doing work for him in the near future. That's terrific, man. That's as awesome. Well. And uh, I think Nate was actually his drum tech this past week. Oh, okay. Weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So same guy. Okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 been really cool. It's just like that. Just kind of just happened this year. That's which awesome. Is, which is amazing because my goal this year, my New Year's resolution was to do 365 paintings. Sounds like you're gonna meet that. With <laughs> with those two accounts, <laughs> I'm gonna be two. way over. Because even before that, I think I was already at like 159 like brand new pieces, right? Which is insane. That's a lot. That's a lot, man. Yeah. Like I don't. Even, I'm, I'm Especially working. Like it's not like you're just doing that all day long. You still have a job to go to. You know. Oh yeah, I got two jobs. Yeah. And then that on top of Jeez. it, um, yeah. So like zero sleep. Like we're talking like four <laughs> hours a night sleep, which is fine. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing you're single. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm single, yeah. But it's hard because I don't drink coffee, so it's like you're really tired all the time. Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, just orange juice, but orange juice doesn't do no, shit. No. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's like it's 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 really cool, like uh, you know the opportunity. It's just like just pure luck, you know. Like sounds just, amazing. Yeah, 
So uh, really excited about that. So that's all I've been working on actually mm-hmm. for the last like two or three weeks is that Super yeah. Tramp stuff. Just pumping it out. Yeah. It was really cool because when, uh, when he asked me to do it, I'm like, oh, I'll do a couple mock-up pieces for you. Right. So um, I did. And then the next day he was flying to the UK because Roger Hodson was recording in Abbey Road. Okay. And also had uh, a show at the Royal Albert Hall. And I was just like, damn, that's that's so cool. And then yeah. he, uh, he loved them. And then Ron sent me a message being like, yeah, he signed both of them. It's a wow. it's a green, there's, you know, it's a go. The green light's been lit. And I was just like, are you sure? Like, are you, you <laughs> yeah, don't want to think about this? Real, right? You want to think about this for a little bit? Like, you know, I just do this out of my, what's supposed to be my bedroom, which right. I turn into a studio. Right, yeah. right. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Listen, we're we're just coming up to the two hour mark here. Um, cool. I just want to thank you again for coming on. It's it was an amazing conversation. I'm really happy you were able to do this today. Yeah, no, it's been fun. It didn't yeah. even seem like two hours. I two hours flies by in wow. this room. We, you know, everyone I've done has just flown by because it's so easy to talk to people in here. You lose yourself in in these conversations. It's, it's perfect timing. I actually have to go to the bathroom. So perfect. Yeah, and I go. finally like got to ask you all the questions I've been meaning to ask you, and I, and I was able to pin you down. So I wish you all the, the the success in the world, man. I really love your stuff. Thank you very much. Again, for everyone out there, it's at the check out the Instagram page. It is at the underscore soloist underscore project and you will fall in love with the stuff just like I have. Um, Alex Hernandez, thanks for being here, man. I Thank really you appreciate it. Episode four of the I Got Asked podcast. If you like what you heard today, like it, share it, please. I'm trying to get this thing to have a bit of a following. It's doing pretty decent right now, but I need your help. So like the pages, share the pages and um, you know, help me support this thing. Thanks very much for listening. Alex Hernandez, thanks again, man. Thank you very Take much. Take care, buddy. Yeah. All right. Pleasure.